0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, it's really nice to have you come I knew the day was going to go well when I heard another fat person's story. I mean, we seem to be finding them on a, on a regular basis. One of the uh, papers this morning has done a two-page spread on the 22-year-old who we had to airlift practically out of her uh, bungalow or adapted flat, mainly because she's known as the princess of the takeaways. They've even got the owner of the takeaway who supplies her with her food, saying, you know, that they, they supply her with an 18-inch pizza with all the trimmings and they couldn't eat it. And you think, so you've contributed to her weight. Now we found a bloke at 65 stone. Oh, I mean, he's surely going to be dead by Christmas unless somebody does something. What are social workers doing? Feeding him, apparently. All of that and more, which is coming up next on LBC. Including Katie Hopkins, who's got her own back, because yesterday there was a rather feeble interview with Denise Welsh, proudly telling us that she'd stopped boozing for the last three years, and she's 57, and it was all very exciting. Uh, But, of course, she had to weave in Katie Hopkins, because otherwise it's just the story of another drunk who's not drinking anymore. So she weaves in Katie Hopkins, uh, saying what a vile woman she is, and this and that. And I thought, well, she's, she's making more money than you are, sweet cheeks. In fact, she's making a lot more. So in her column today, Katie Hopkins has said, listen, it's very sweet of people to keep mentioning me for their lacklustre lives. But of course, if they did more in their life and the press were interested, then fine. But if you have to keep mentioning me, we might have to start charging. And of course, that's exactly what Denise Welsh did. She, uh, she just mentioned Katie Hopkins. I've noticed that every time people mention certain people, that guarantees that they get them in the papers. I mean, barely a day goes by where you don't read a picture of the Beckhams, because they're really published eye, And there's a lovely picture of Davy Boy Beckham, Mr Misery, flying out of Los Angeles, all by his little lonesome, to go to his 40th birthday party. And you've never seen anybody look so miserable in their entire life. And I looked at him and I thought, well, I mean, if you're married to somebody who looks like an emaciated deck chair, and you've got four kids who are publicity hungry, then you'd be pretty miserable, because he said he wanted a quiet birthday. He said that on numerous occasions, just with a few friends. And then I thought, he doesn't have any friends. I mean, all he has, I mean, he doesn't. You never see Davy Boy Beckham hanging out with loads of celebrities because celebrities have got a life to lead. David's either selling whiskey or modelling underpants and you can't drag a career out of that for very long. So it's a bit difficult. You know, he can hardly phone up Tom Cruise and go, Hi Tom, it's David. Um, would you like to come out with me today for a cup of coffee? Because Tom is busy. Tom's busy, and he hasn't got the time, so he's only got his friend Dave Gardner, which is all very sweet, but, you know, even Dave's beginning to look a little bit boring. So, jetting off by himself, you know, to his birthday party, he's like Billy No-Mates. Whereas Vic, of course, is pushing, makes some friends, makes some friends... I'm David Beckham, I don't have to make friends. Make some friends, go and talk to people. What do I talk to them about? He doesn't know. You see him sitting there and he has that one pose. And the, and the pose is either, when he smiles he looks a bit slightly freaky. And when he looks, sort of, his hard look, which he th- he just looks depressed. So here he is celebrating his fortieth birthday He's got nice kids, they're all a bit publicity hungry and he's got Harper, who can't walk as we now know. she has to be carried everywhere because she's battery operated and sometimes you know if you haven't earned money doing whisky or underpan model, you can't afford the batteries and I should imagine she takes a fair set. I would think so, looking at her she's not exactly a thin child, is she? mind you yesterday, and I don't want to be rude because it's going to it's going to sound rude this but i don't I don't want it to sound rude i um I watched Loose Women, because I, I like to see, because they had uh, White D on there. And you've never seen such a lot of brown nosing from some so-called journalists in your entire life. You know, occasionally Jane Moore got something in about, you know, you never actually worked, have you? You've just been sort of sponging off the thing because you've been depressed. Now, of course, you're magically not depressed. Of course, when the work dries up, she's bringing out a fitness video. I mean, seriously, talk about taking the Michael, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, that was immaterial. So the, the camera moves around the, uh, the Loose Women... And I thought, there's a bloke in drag on there. Who we got? I was trying to work out who it could be. Who could that be? A bloke in drag. Who? It... Judy Finnegan. Judy Finnegan. I've never said. Se- Something's happened to Judy Finnegan. Seriously, she looks so. She's only, I think she's 66. But she's oh, She's let herself go. I don't I don't want that to sound cruel or mean. But she's let herself go. She's, she's made no effort at all. I mean, when you think that when you're on television, that's the best you're ever going to look, you're not going to get any better because they've got makeup artists, hair. You can turn up looking like a bag lady and they'll create you, you know, something that's roughly akin to Sophia Loren. In Judy Finnegan's case, I mean, I've always thought that Richard looked really good for his age. He's looking a little bit older now because television has gone high def. And once it goes high def, you, you really look awful. A lot of people can't appear on it. A lot of people can't because it shows everything. We've got high def in our, in our studio. And frankly, I've had to have gauze put over the cameras. I will not be seen in high def. I'm sorry. It's a personal thing. But when I saw Judy yesterday, I did think, God, woman, you either need to lose an awful lot of weight, her face has gone all puffy. She's gone from being quite sort of glam to all of a sudden not really caring And I felt I felt a bit depressed. And then I looked at the picture on the front of the sun this morning and I didn't get depressed. I just got angry at a bloke who's happily allowed himself to be. Why is it all fat people are photographed naked? What is it? What is it about taking? Do they really think that we look at them and go, God, you've got a body to die for. You know, they really think that we look at them and go, God, I really sympathize with you. Because, to be honest with you, I don't sympathize with him. This bloke, you know, obviously is now reveling in the fact that he's, he's Britain's fattest bloke. He eats ten thousand calories a day, but then it's quite easy to understand that he doesn't actually do anything. He's not worked since he was seventeen. Apparently, he started eating more when his mother died. Isn't that funny? Everybody else's mother dies, the, the, you, you generally stop. Oh, sorry, you generally stop eating, don't you? You generally stop eating, and so you don't, um, and so you don't bother with things like that anymore. He started eating. And he carried on eating. He hasn't done a stroke of work in his entire life. He's on benefits, like the other fat bird the other day, 22 years old. And I get annoyed. I've got a producer who's fat. Will would be the first one to admit that he's not slim. And he works. He goes up and down the stairs. Sometimes we attempt to run. We don't quite make it. But we attempt to do something. You know, he picks things up. He's fairly fit and healthy. Must be he's getting married. I mean, unless they've got a crane in the bedroom. But, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, if you're fat... You can work. You don't have to not work. I was behind a woman on the bus the other day. Well, I think I was on the bus. She was so enormous. And I looked at her and I thought, well, at least she's moving. These people, they just appear in the newspapers. And it turns out the reason they're fat, it's nothing to do with glandular problems. If this was a glandular problem, I'd be more than happy to stand back and say, I'm really sorry. Let's get him sorted out medically. No, it's because he stuffs his face. He has up to nine Magnum ice creams a day. Nine. Then he also has pizzas and burgers. He's not left his flat for a year, and he can't wear clothes. I mean, I should imagine the last time he saw his willy was about, you know, fifteen years ago. I mean, you don't see anything at all, do you? Really? He says, "I rely on benefits. I could die, but I don't know how to stop." How about having your jaws wired up, mate? How about how about starting a bit of willpower? How about stop being so pathetic? How about actually going, I won't have that new, you know, Chinese takeaway trying on it. When you look at what he eats, in, in, this is, you know, daily. And I know that probably Darren's done this as well, but it makes you feel physically ill. Nine magnums. You know, we all like a magnum, but I couldn't eat nine. Four sausages. OK, that's OK. Five burgers, fried bread, mushrooms with butter, five fried eggs, one pork pie, two ham sandwiches, one box of Frosties, 36 fish fingers, six Yorkies, six Mars bars, one 16-inch pizza, one packet of Haribo, that's where he was going through a good phase, three strawberry yogurts, Chinese meal for two and a litre of ice cream. And that's his daily intake. You're going to die very soon, matey. Very, very soon. You're an idiot. You're a complete idiot. The worst thing is that you funding it, you're funding all... I mean, th- this could feed a family for a week, at least... At least a week. And the rest of it. And it's delivered to his bed by carers. Or as I prefer to call them, potential murderers. Because they're feeding him. Look at the size He's covered in a blanket. Well, I say covered. Unfortunately, because he's so disgustingly fat and bloated. I mean, I just can't understand how anybody could ever feed somebody and watch them get to this size. He eats as much as four men in a day. Well, take it away from him. Take it away from him. I tell you, I'd be building gibbets outside this house to hang the carers who are feeding this man. Sixty-seven, you must be mad. He also has, or I forgot to mention, actually, he has a lot of uh, three-litre bottles of Diet Coke as well. Quite clearly not working, dear, is it? Diet Coke, not for you, mate. It's ridiculous. He has. He, he says, I have eaten less since the carers have been coming round. I'd just stop it immediately. I'm really hungry. Well, you're going to have to starve, aren't you, dear? I tell you what, let's try and do an exercise. Lift one finger. There you go, that's enough for today. Let's try something else tomorrow, shall we? It's just ridiculous. You know, I mean, the, the home help, you know, should have been in there stopping giving him this food. What are you, daft? These people should be prosecuted immediately. The American... Uh, who was uh, the biggest bloke in the world, John Brower? You know that there are women, aren't you, who, who get fed by their husbands because their husbands like fat birds? Have you heard of this? They're called feeders. And women balloon in weight and then they put their pictures on the internet. It's enough to turn you homosexual, I promise you. It really is disgusting. It's absolutely awful. But the, the, the fattest man weighed 100 stone. I mean, the immense pressure on your heart, on every bit of your body, because you're just lying there, you're just ballooning every day. How he goes to the toilet if he can't get up, I've got no idea. It's best not think about that. But uh, Anyway, he, he actually is dead at the age of 41. I don't know how old this one is here. How old is he? He's 32. Get in there, matey. He's jobless. Well, of course he's jobless. He lies there like some freak out of a movie. Why are they not helping him? Why have they not put him on, you know, put a a gastric band around him, does something? He believes he's got an ingrained eating disorder. No, you haven't, mate. You're not intelligent enough to know what you've got. You've read a few bits in papers and you can now blame it on everybody apart from your inability to have willpower. That's all it comes down to. You know, to have fried bread, sausages, five burgers in a day. Five burgers, fried bread, mushrooms with butter, five fried eggs, the pork pie alone would be enough to feed most people. Hams, a whole box of Frosties. That's the one with sugar on. You know, the the warning signs are there, mate. Start looking at cemeteries. Because unless you curb your eating and the carers around you teach you how to eat properly and manage a diet, you're going to be dead very soon, OK? And then we'll all be going, oh, the world's fattest man in this country is now dead. Big surprise. I mean, it's ridiculous that you're paying for his gluttony and for the carers. Oh, where were these carers? Who are they? I want them named and shamed in the papers because these people you don't have anywhere near your folks, nowhere near at all. Anyway, rant over. Quarter past four. Nineteen minutes past four. Nick and the team, the battle bus rolling as you've heard into Cardiff. The big names stopping by include the first minister Cowan Jones, a certain former Labour leader's son Stephen Kinnock, and Labour's shadow secretary for Wales Owen Smith. Plaid Cymru's Leanne Wood will be chatting to Nick too. And as we hear that victory in twenty five percent of constituencies could be decided by the Muslim vote. Are politicians doing enough to reach out to the communities they serve? they will be broadcasting live from Roll Dowl Plus in Cardiff. You can head down and see the team in action. And you can find out details on the rest of the journey, which ends in London, on our website, lbc.co.uk. Uh, Warren says uh, the glandular problem is a farce. It's untrue. If you don't, you know, put it in your mouth in the first place, it's not going to go on your belly. You can't get fat through breathing. Mind you, mind you, have found somebody... Called Linda, who says you are rude. You're also cruel, spiteful, and extremely ignorant. I think you need help. Remember, you're talking about human beings. We're talking about fat blobs who are waste of space. Linda, I bet you've never been whistled at from a building society from a building site. You know why? Ugly. Ugly. further we get down the country, uglies. But the time we get to you, really ugly. Nobody's going to be whistling any time soon. Because if ever they are, it's the person behind you, OK? No, we call it's called telling the truth. I'm sure that you're a deeply Christian person. I'm so happy for you. Because I'm sure that you're absolute perfection personified. You've never said anything about anybody in your life, you lying old witch. Of course you have. Everybody does. And I'm sorry when you get a man on the front of the paper who's 65 stone and eating himself to death and I'm paying for it... I'll tell you what. Let's keep feeding him. Let's keep. Let's hasten the end. Let's keep feeding him. I am sure if the care workers are listening, they'll go. Well, he does need the food. Good, give it to him. Give it to him. But I am not paying to bury him. You know, if he's not done a day's work in his life. I am assuming he's got no savings. It's probably all going on uh, on fat food. I'd like to see what's in Linda's diet. You can just imagine, can't you? Packet of crisps. I can see her now sitting on the bus with her little glasses on. I can see her there. Eight four eight five zero. steve at LBC dot co dot uk. But you love listening, Linda. That's why you are right. Love you to pieces. Uh, Using your mother's death as an excuse, says Ian, until you weigh 60 stone is pathetic. Well, I've never heard of that. We've had it before, though. It's not new. It's not new. The other thing that that we've had is people who've uh, gone out shoplifting because they say, my mother died, so I went shoplifting. You go, what's that got to do with it? My mother died. I didn't go out shoplifting or start eating. I just carried on, you know, in exactly the same way that I did before. So I don't know why. I think people, what they do is when they've not worked, he has no grip or grasp of the real world at all. He has no idea what it's like out there because he's never been out there for the last God knows how many years just lay there like a beached whale in his bed while people eat, eat feet. Eat more, eat more. Fried bread coming up. More fried bread? Go on, eat more fried bread. You know, the clue is in the title. Fried. I'm surprised they never mentioned Kentucky Fried Chicken. I suppose really then you'd have to sort of apologise to Kentucky Fried Chicken that a lot of the people who eat in there are fat and they're fat because it's fried chicken. You know, it's dripping in fat. Take, take Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now go on, try it today. Go and buy a box. Put it in there. Take it off the bit of greaseproof paper and see how long the fat takes to soak through. Go on. I'll put your odds on. It'll be within about five minutes. Within five minutes. Uh, 84850. Oh, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Chris and Soho says you could put those two people on at uh, Ripley's in Piccadilly Circus. Feeding time, very popular. Yeah, you could just, I mean, to be honest with you, if we put him in a cage and threw food, that would be marginally more exciting. He'd never reach it. You have to take it to him. He can't actually reach out for it. He just lies there. He doesn't sit up in bed. He doesn't do anything. How's it, I mean, he might as well just give up now. You know, it's, it's, it's this pathetic attitude that, that people have, isn't it? Where, oh, I, I can't do it. My mother died, so I have to eat. What's that got to do with it? How do they equate that? They're thinking of any excuse... Any excuse that they don't have to work, and he doesn't work, and has not worked since he was 17. A bit like the 22-year-old girl the other day. Seven hours to get that fatty out of a house. Seven hours. The cost, I should imagine, in excess of 30000 Who's paying for it? You are. So the next time, you know, you try and call the ambulance, they go, I'm terribly sorry, we've had to cut back on the services. Too many fat people. Too many fat people using the services, so, we, so we, we can't do anything about it. We've spent all our budget for this year. You go, but somebody's dying here. Sorry, the fat people take precedence. You know, and we're constantly told, you know, bad to eat all this fast food. We never had this before. Never had this years and years ago. We really didn't. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Sandra said James O'Brien said to a caller on Mystery Hour that you'd used your red T-shirt and presumably pink underpants as material on your morning show. Well, he's right. I told him about the story yesterday. You have to. He's, he's got to fill his show with something. I have to help him out. So, yes, yeah, so he sort of sits there. And uh, and so I told the story about... And it wasn't a T-shirt. It was a very expensive Daniel Hector towels. And, uh, and I knew that he would then have to use that on his programme. Because he's trying to capitalise. It's a bit like the Katie Hopkins syndrome. James O'Brien is trying to capitalise on my popularity to make him popular. The man who interviewed White D, I rest my case. You know, the man who... Magically got hair back on television. I mean, where that came from, nobody knows. In a can, I'm told. In a can. To go no further, they shook it onto his. Oh, seriously, it comes out like powder, apparently. <laughs> don't tell him I said that for God's sake. He'll be on to me his... straight because there's obviously somebody who writes to him, going, Steve Allen's did this about you this morning. And then because nobody talks to him in the office because he's miserable when he comes in, and because the hair's not not there now because he's not on television. Don't. I mean, don't don't say it knowing damn well it'll go straight back to him, which, of course, I love. And he'll go, what did you say about me this morning? Okay, so funny that the people who listen to me are still alive and awake when you're on. But uh, but they are. Bless his heart. Uh, Steve, why should we have to pay for these fatties? The feeders are potential murderers. And if his condition is self-inflicted, then um, he should have to pay for it. Well, he can't. He's got no money. He's on benefits. He gets incapacity benefit. He gets every disabled benefit under the sun. And yet it's self-inflicted. I mean, you sometimes think to yourself, you know, if I went out there today and chopped my leg off, mind you doing, being diabetic, it could be actually a possibility. Then I can declare myself uh, disabled and not have to work ever again and just get money, money given to me, because that's what some people do. Have you ever worked? No. Why? Don't want <laughs> to. Oh, right. So, so what do you do? Just go shoplifting. Oh, right. I mean, at least in his case, he can't go shoplifting because he's too fat. And as far as I can see, he's got no, no tattoos. But it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, he's eating so much because he's getting on the benefits. The 22-year-old's never worked either. Never done a day's work in her life. Just sits there. She spends 19 quid a time on a pizza. 19 quid a time. I tell you, I want to be unemployed. I want to be on disability benefits. And I am disabled. Ridiculous. Sally says, um, you know, he should have to pay for any NHS treatment. Well, he won't because he can't get out of bed, can he? God help us if he falls ill. We'll have to crane him out of his room. That'll be another... They'll exp- we'll have to close the road down. People either side must be fuming. Fuming, I should imagine. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely appalling that we're encouraging this. You know, we, we shouldn't be encouraging this at all. We should, we should literally be trying to help him. Have his jaws wired up, take the food away from him, give him soup. Same for the other girls. She can sit there and cry till the cows come home. You know, oh, well, Kentucky. Well, you're not having it. You're having soup today, OK? And it's a clear soup. No bread. Oh, it's a butter. No bread. No butter. Oh, cheese on toast. Nothing. You're having nothing, all right? We're going to get your weight down and you're going to get out there and get a job because either you're going to lose that weight... And you're going to get a job or we're cutting your benefits immediately. Anybody who says that in their manifesto speech gets everybody's vote, I should imagine. Let's not continue with the benefits system. It's being exploited by a lot of waste of... Sp- These people aren't even contributing to the country. I could understand it if he said, oh, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that, but I'm helping out the neighbours and gardening for them or sweeping drives or doing... it does nothing. He just lies there, sponging off you and I. Well, I want it stopped. I want it stopped immediately immediately. these. You want to pay for them? You pay for them privately. Everybody agrees, actually. Everybody agrees. And uh, James says, you're absolutely 100% right. Of course it is. They're being fed. He's lying there. They're feeding him, getting him fatter and fatter. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Oh, God, my phone. I've got to work this phone out. A friend of mine told me the other day, Paul, he said, "You have to. you have to do something about your phone. And I can't remember what it is. I think it's in the settings. I think I've got it on vibrate. I think he said... Take your phone and vibrate... Because yesterday it was hilarious. Well, everybody thought it was hilarious, except the producer who didn't quite think it was as hilarious as everybody else did. And my friend Paul, once i found... Oh, there we are, you see. It's still it's still going. Because every time I get one, it comes through. And then somebody goes, is that me again? <laughs> the answer is yes. So Paul says, wait a minute. Right, vibrate on ring, vibrate on silent. So I've got to put it on vibrate on silent. Yeah. So I'm going to do that one now. <laughs> I've got... <laughs> So vibrate on silent. So wait a minute. So you have to bear with me for a second. So we're going into settings, aren't we? Here we are. Settings. Settings. And what would it come under? Would it come under sounds? Vibrate on silent. Ringtone. Ah, right. Vibe. There we go. Vibrate on silent. Now that 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 should be. <laughs> God, here we go. Let's wait and see, shall we? A little bit later on. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We read every uh, every text out, every email. Why? Because we're just nice and we're safe. I'll tell you, if I was running for uh, for Parliament, I'd get the vote immediately. Absolutely get the, get the vote. Steve, you're brilliant. You make me laugh. You're so right. I lost £7 when my mum died. I couldn't eat. Yeah, it's a feeble... They just come up with feeble excuses. These people are drippy. These people are drippy. You know, they've always got the... It's, it's, it's everybody else's fault except their own. They never take responsibility. And you always get a couple of... Oh, it's still doing it. Isn't that funny? Obviously, Paul's wrong. Thank you, Warren. He's testing it, but I'll have to turn it off now. It's, it's called what? Prank? Oh, it's pranking me. I'll show him what pranking is. Anyway, anyway. Uh, other stories that were in the papers. As I say, there's a two-page spread... In the uh, the mail today on the uh, 22-year-old girl from the other day. Again, another one who's not worked, who's a drain on the country. We just feed and they've got a... I have to read you this bit because I got quite angry about the shop. I'd be boycotting this shop. Here she is sitting there when she was 17 and she weighed 40 stone at 17. And they had um, the uh, the company uh, who actually supply all her pizzas. I mean, you know, it took seven hours to get her out of the house. Seven hours. And the team of emergency service personnel, engineers, 40. 40 people. You know, I think it would have been easier to chop her arms and legs off and push her out the window. 40 people. Just think how many, how many man hours were taken up by this waste of space who just sits there and eats. She says, some people like heroin, but I choose food. You're even more stupid than you look, love. When she was seven, she weighed 11 stone. Where do you think that comes from? It comes from her parents. They're feeders. I mean, what they've got to do, they've just got to... I mean, they say here... Oh, wait a minute, I found out. The operation, including repairs, because had, she had... Remember the last time it happened, they had to put new double doors in. They had to dismantle half the house. The cost was £100,000. I'm sorry. I don't want to pay for you anymore. I've decided, love. I really don't want to pay for you. I couldn't care less what happens to you. I'm really not remotely interested, but I'm not paying for you anymore. And anybody who comes up with that one in a manifesto probably gets everybody's vote in the country. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to five. You know why I'm in such a good mood today? Such a good because it's Friday. It's a long weekend. Uh, admittedly, the weather's going to be a bit grim But uh, that's what they say, isn't they? They always say, don't they? It's grim up north when you go, aye, it is. And uh, they reckon by Monday, though, we should have some decent weather. But I think uh, today, tomorrow and Sunday, a bit miz. But I mean, who cares? It's bank holiday. And uh, I've been looking forward to it all week because every day this week I've had an in-conversation to record or I had to go to a screening of a movie as well. And uh, we did one of the stars of Game of Thrones yesterday, who's now one of the stars of Spooks. The new movie, and you'll hear that very shortly. I have to tell you that there is an in-conversation this Sunday. There's not one next Sunday. The reason being, it's uh, it's election period. So everything changes from the Friday. I'm not here next Friday morning, but I'm here on Saturday morning. How cool is that? They asked me the other day. so said, would you like to do Saturday morning? I said, I haven't done a Saturday morning for years, so absolutely. So uh, we, don't, we don't lose anything. So you get me Saturday morning live between 4 and 7 and Sunday morning, as per usual, live between 4 and 7. But there's no in conversation. But there is one this week and at about 5.30 this morning we'll play a couple of clips. Catherine Jenkins will join me this week and Fern Britton. Two really good interviews. Really, This week we've had some cracking interviews. Cracking interviews. Uh, but today is my first day that I actually get off. So normally I'll hang around afterwards and go and chat to a few other presenters and other stations. They seem to be fairly amenable to me popping in, you know, and just having a little chat. I like to sort of keep up with what other people are doing. But uh, it's the newspapers that always get me excited. It has to be. It's the newspapers or what I get up to in my life. And that's what people buy into. That's why this programme is the most listened to at this time. You won't find anything comes remotely near. Remotely near. Why? Because we're saying exactly what everybody else is saying. Everybody in the country will be talking today about the big fat bloke doing the same thing. You know, so he's heading for death. Who cares? That's what people will be saying. I guarantee it. I'm eating myself to death, he says. Well, there you go. Probably the first truest thing you've ever said. Well, do something about it. You know, I can't stop smoking. Yes, you can. I can't stop drinking. Yes, you can. You can do anything. You can do anything you want. I couldn't run a marathon. You can if you want to. You've just got to gear yourself up for it. If you operate the defeatist attitude, which is Linda, or the woman who was wolf-whistled at, you know, wolf-whistled. I mean, somebody said in one of the papers today, she needs to grow up, get over herself. You know, for goodness sake, if you're going to go to pieces and go to the police because somebody whistles at you, dear God, you're never going to get through life, are you? It's a bit miserable. But she's managed to do lots of posing. And I bet you her story will be sold to a paper. I bet agents have approached her already. Would you like to, because you you look like the sort of person who wants to waste the police time... Uh, The top firm, a used car firm, has crashed the other day. This is Carcraft. I don't know anything about it at all. Shock staff at the, I think this is the seventh largest dealership, were fired on the spot. Uh, Jesse, who comes from the Leeds branch, said, I'm fuming. I lost a £500 bonus. Some salesmen were three grand out of pocket. Amazing, actually. It's uh, founded in 1951. The Rochdale-based firm was sold to management last year by brothers Darren and Noel McKee, Who bought it off their dad, Frank, for fifty million? Carcraft once boasted seventeen hundred staff at twenty-one locations, but ended up losing eight million a year. So they've just closed it. Five hundred jobs have gone. So that's it, isn't it? Some people do well, you know. You always think, oh, you know, if you actually owned it, you'd be the one doing quite well, and you really couldn't care less about other people. Uh, Eight four eight five O Steve at lbc.co.uk. And Judith, you're absolutely right absolutely right on that one I can't read it out because somebody will play it back to him but you're absolutely right, everybody's taken the mickey out of him for doing it, everybody so uh, so there you go, and the show is popular, because if you, if you flip round the dial and I've got nothing against any other station that's in this building, they're all lovely, seriously lovely people They just, you can't compete with something like this. This is a speech station. If there was another speech station, we might be in dead trouble. But at the moment, we're not. So we have no competition at all. Uh, Philippe says, I live in France and use the metric system. Regarding the fat man who weighs 65 stone, how many tonnes is that? It's probably about the weight of my car, I should imagine. It's an awful lot, isn't it, when you think it's just blubber. That's all it is. It's just, it's blubber. It's, It's stuff that is stifling his heart. He'll have heart problems. I should imagine he's got diabetes. You can't get to that size and not have, have some sort of illness like that. There was also the other story in the paper today, because when you go through them, and I did think originally, there's not a lot in the paper today, and yet we managed to sort of find about 25 stories, which I thought would be relevant, because I'm trying to do anything apart from the electioneering. Because I thought, if, if, if you want to vote, and 40% of you can't make up your mind, that's your business. I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. I could just say, read the papers. Each paper aligns itself to a different party. The politicians will tell you anything. They seriously will. They will sit there on their debates and they'll promise you this and promise you that. They can't deliver, but they'll promise it to you. And they'll sort of make sure that you know you're sort of you know vote for us because we're going to do this for the family. You know we're going to come around and mow your grass every week and we'll dress your children. You'll be eating steak every night and you can have ice cream and free private medical. They'll tell you anything. It's it's like flimflam men years ago. Look at this. If you buy this, this will do this for you. This marvelous cleaner here. Shh. It's like watching QVC. Oh, if you use this cream, look how much younger you're going to look. How can they all still look the same? Because it doesn't work. It's selling a dream. And politicians are selling a dream to you. They're selling the dream of your future is your kids. You know, you want your kids to have this. And that's parents We go, right, we do, we do. We want to look after your elderly. Yeah, we do. We want to look after the elderly. We want to make sure that we bring the, the tax down on petrol. Yeah, we do, we do. We're going to make sure that you can have a better quality of life. Yeah, we do. You won't get it. You won't get it from anybody. They cannot promise it. If they, if they could do it, they'd have done it before. But it's only when it comes to electioneering and they suddenly realise, that they see their livelihoods vanishing. And you know how little we trust MPs nowadays. We trust them so little, don't we? We watch them and we take it in and it just flows around inside your head and wanders out your ear again. However, there is a guy in the paper today, nothing to do with electioneering, it's just made me angry. His name is Genti Rustimi. Genty Rustimi is from... Where's he from? He's from somewhere. I can't remember. And uh, he's apparently a fish and chip shop man. Not in this country. I don't know what he is over here. Anyway, there's a lollipop man called John Doyle. John Doyle is 79. And he's operating in Greater Manchester. And uh, he's got... He's standing in the middle of the crossing. And he's got his uh, his pole out. And the kids are crossing. And uh, Genti Rustimi a nasty piece of work, um, nearly runs him over. And two schoolgirls, he doesn't stop. He just keeps going. The man's an idiot. A complete buffoon. So he was uh, racing through the crossing. Mr Doyle was trying to get the two schoolgirls. So with his lollipop stick, he tapped, or he might have banged on, we're not too sure whether it was banged or tapped, on the top of Mr Rustini's BMW and told him to open his eyes. Obviously Mr Rustini is a complete idiot. Minutes later... Mr Rastimi decided to return. And so in front of horrified children, Mr Thug Rastimi, with a fish and chip shop that I hope goes out of business, punches this man in the face and then punches him in the stomach. He admitted ABH and dangerous driving. I hope his fish and chip shop goes bust at the end of this. I think it's in Manchester somewhere, in a place called uh, Timperley. And all he got for this... This bloke's 79. I'm surprised he's still alive, but he is. He's had to be paid £2,000 by Mr Thug Rustimi. I tell you, if I found your fish and chip shop, pal, I'd be throwing rotten eggs up against the window or just plastering the word THUG on it. I don't think anybody should be patronising you at all, especially as you've tried to run over two children. He got a six-month suspended jail term. Pfft! <laughs> I'd have had you in prison straight away. He also got a 12-month driving ban and 200 hours unpaid work. Nasty piece of work. Meanwhile, the 79-year-old gets two grand compensation. But, I mean, he could have died. Could have been manslaughter. Dreadful, isn't it? And then there's uh, another picture. Yeah, but we love these pictures. I love these pictures because I just like poo-pooing them. And this is uh, somebody called Jamie Lee Brown. Jamie hyphen Lee. Doesn't mean she's posh because she's got tattoos and she looks dead chav. You know, she's a yabba-nobba, yabba yabba That's the sort of person she is. And uh, she was in a, a derelict hospital. I don't know what she was doing in there. She shouldn't have been in there, but she went in. She's a decorator, looks like it, and um, she was spooked. A friend of hers took a picture of her as she's walking through, for for what reason? Who knows? And there, in the derelict hospital, is the image of a doctor in a doorway. It's very scary, very scary. St Thomas's Hospital in Greater Manchester. Good God, are all the stories Greater Manchester today? And she heard footsteps. Don't tell Lindsay Kinghorn you hear footsteps. She hates hearing footsteps. Anyway, they fled the abandoned building, and when she got home, she looked through the snaps on her camera, and she saw the figure in the white coat with a stethoscope. And, and we're expected to believe this guff. You've only got to look at her to realise it's the biggest pile of fraud. It's like watching that most haunted. The only person haunted on it is Yvette Fielding, who dresses like a hooded bat. You've never seen anything. And every programme, they managed to get a haunting. I wish she'd come in this building. I'd haunt her. Every time I watch her, I used to think, God, you used to be such a normal Blue Peter presenter. And then she obviously latched on to the fact that some people want to believe in ghosts and ghoulies and spirits and stuff like that. So if, if you fool them enough by sort of pushing a chair or something like that, I've seen people on there. Have you seen them? Some of them are hilarious. Some of them are really hilarious. Some of these so-called psychic experts. C- can you hear me? If, if, give me a sign. I'll give you a sign. <laughs> They're hilarious. They're so mad. But they really want to believe in it. Of course, if something actually came up and grasped them by the throat, I wish they would, uh, they'd be behaving in a completely different way. Stretch your legs for a long life. Okay, who are we aiming this one at? We're aiming this at at, uh, Carl Thompson. 65 stone. Stretch your legs. Try and do something, fatty. Try and do something. Walk two minutes an hour. Two minutes an hour. That's apparently all it takes. Two minutes an hour. It's good, isn't it, really? A study has found regular light activity throughout the day lowers mortality. Brilliant. Brilliant. I do try. I'm not very good at it. I do try, though, to, to try and do some sort of exercise. But I'm not I'm not particularly brilliant at it. I do walk. So if I, I, I've discovered, actually, the trick for me, being diabetic, is if I have a bacon roll at Waterloo Station, and they are quite disgusting, I have to tell you. I don't think the people who cook them eat bacon. And they certainly don't know how to cook it because it comes out like cardboard. It really is vile. Absolutely. But, but anyway, if I happen to eat one and one of them comes with a Cumberland sausage in it. And we've had this issue, haven't we, with how much meat is actually in there. The, the, the people, it doesn't look that hygienic. But anyway, uh, if I do that, then I, I don't walk as far. If I don't eat anything in the morning, then I can walk quite a bit and it doesn't bother me. But a lot of the time I, I get the car out. I get the car out. I'm a little bit lazy. You know, I'd rather... I mean, today, I will have to go to Richmond, and I will, you know, go and buy things, But and I will do the walking around. I won't take the car, because it's, it's just not worth it. Definitely not at all. Uh, 84850, oh, Christine says, after losing six stone and over two years later, I know how hard it is, but if I can do it, anybody can. It's like smoking. Absolutely. Absolutely, these feeble people Christie go oh, I can't do it I can't do it they're pathetics you know they go, stop whistling at me, stop whistling at me I know some people take the opposing view, but he wasn't like he was going hello darling, come home want a bit of action it wasn't like that he just whistled he just went <whistles> every time I do that dogs and cats get very excited by this program, but that's all it was you know get over yourself. You know, are you going somebody just knocked on my door and ran away. I'm going to call the police. Oh, God, please do me a favour. Please do me a favour. Try and grow up. We're obviously breeding a bunch of wet, drippy people. It's awful. Um, Steve, 65 stone man, can't work. I've seen plenty of bus drivers um, that big. If he nips down the bus depot uniform store, they'll easily give him more than a pair of socks. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? It's true. You know, they go, oh, I can't wear any clothes. Well, I mean, how do you know? Have you ever been out? No, 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 no. Uh, 84850 Steve at lbc.co.uk. Steve um, had two texts. Not an illness. What's wrong with that guy? It's greed. Oh, yes, he's not ill. He's not ill. It's pure gluttony. He's not ill. He's made this fantasy up in his mind that, you know, I'm eating because of my mother. Well, what? In other words, so you're eating for your mother. So if she'd still been alive... She'd have to care for you, and she'd have to look after you, you waste of space. No, you're not eating for your mother at all. You're trying to come up with excuses, but luckily we're intelligent people here, and we know exactly what you're doing it for. It's because you're bone-idely, you are bone idle. you do not want to work. I would actually have you in hospital today, jaw-wired up, and have you on a drip, soup, nothing else, no butter, no fried food, nothing at all. You know, it's like that girl the other day. In an effort to lose weight, she's eating salads. Oh, for... I honestly, give up now, darling. You're too stupid for words. She's got a flatmate, and quite clearly the fat flatmate knows what's going on because she obviously orders the pizza with her. A 19-inch pizza for one person. That's a family of three or four at least. Dreadful. And who kidnaps puppies? I think we know what sort of people kidnap puppies. These puppies were kidnapped the other day. I'll tell you what they're threatening to do. Soon they're, they're captured, the better. But uh, at the moment, we just have to call them people who've captured puppies. I think we know where they come from. Fourteen to five.
0: Steve Allen on
1: LBC. Morning, everybody. It's uh, eleven minutes to five, Friday morning. Oh, God, so loving Friday, so loving Friday. Uh, Ian says the uh, solution for the sixty-five stone man is to place him under the court of protection. Yeah, I and mean, you can take out a court order, and they could oversee the food intake and stop fools from feeding him junk food. Absolutely. You know, I'm quite sure if you're lying there and you're incapable of moving and you can't do anything at all, and you've got to have people faffing all over you. I mean, surely if you take that away, it was like when we had the story of the girl, the 22 year old who was eating. She's 37 stone. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Stop the food. Just stop it. Just stop that food. You know, then she can sit there and weep and cry all she likes. Nobody's remotely interested in her. She's an attention seeker. That's what these people are. They're attention seekers. You know, we had a guy the other day. He was supposedly Britain's fattest man. Why would you want to proclaim that to people? Britain's biggest drain on the economy. You know, so when we had the girl the other day at at 22 and never done a day's work in her life, take the food away. Put her parents into care. They're quite clearly very stupid. Put her flatmate into care and say anybody feeds her. It's like, you know, shopkeepers. You're caught selling cigarettes and booze to an underage person. You're going to be prosecuted. These people should be prosecuted. He's got to 65 stone. He's, th- what did we say he was, 32. He'll be very lucky to actually make it to uh, to 33. He relies on benefits. He lives in uh, in Dover, in Kent. Perhaps we could use him as a boat to ferry him across to France. I mean, he'd probably get about 20 people on his back if we hold him under the water. It's a ridiculous scenario, isn't it? It's so ridiculous that we of still... And then you get sort of some do-gooders like poor little Linda, deluded woman that she is, going, you know, he's a human being. No, he's a waste of space. People like you, I never want you sitting on a jury. You're far too stupid. Far too stupid. God, dear. Go away and start tending to your knitting in your garden, something like that. You know, you're probably siding with the girl who was whistled at. Somebody in the paper said today, uh, in one of the, uh, the columns, they said she needs to grow up. You know, if she's drippy at this age, go running to the police, wasting their time. There's no charge. There is no offence to whistling. If he'd come up to her and grabbed her, that would be an offence. Whistling at somebody is not an offence. But as I say, Linda, nobody's done it to you, have they? Ever, I shouldn't think. Uh, Kevin says, I walk a lot more than two minutes an hour. So according to your story, I could live to 100. How happy the family will be. <laughs> actually it's so funny. I was saying to somebody the other day I said you know you always read about people who get to a certain age and then they say and they were out at the theatre and they suffered a massive heart attack and I was lying in bed and it quite it, it didn't frighten me but I kept thinking if I had a massive heart attack in bed how long would it be before they found me and I sort of thought about that and I thought well first of all the car would turn up and then they'd phone the phone and they wouldn't get a reply so then they'd phone here and go listen we're we outside his place we've we phoned but he hasn't replied They would then sort of try and phone me. And only then, I think, would sort of... Then they'd have to phone one of the bosses and say, we we can't get any response from him. they go, "Uh uh-oh. Then they'd have to go round. And I'd be trying to look all glamorous, you know, rose between my teeth. You want to die looking attractive, don't you? You don't want to die looking all horrible and stuff like that. And uh, the other solution is to to make this man walk, who's 65 stone, Steve. Well, he can't. I know it seems... he, He can't even stand up. That's how bad it's got to be. So God help us if he's got to go to hospital at some point this week, because at some point we're going to have to winch him out of his room. I mean, they must they must he must stink to high heaven because he's got so much fat on him. There was a bloke in the and the reason I say he stinks to high heaven is because when you're very, very fat, you've got rolls of fat. You need to lift the fat up to wash underneath. That's where the infections come from. And they had a bloke in a circus. In Sarasota, in America. And they used to wash him every two days. He would stand there, stark naked. Didn't make any difference because he had so much fat, everything's covered up. And they had to, with a, a hose, they hosed him down and he had to lift the fat up. This bloke at 65 Stone would have to have, you know, a team of nurses in to lift up the fat, put cream on, everything. All because They're feeding him, but at the same time they're having to do all the cream rubbing to stop infection. You know, it's we're we're, sort of, we're not helping him at all. In fact, if anything, the social workers and the carers are a bunch of ninnies Absolutely ridiculous. They need to they need to get a grip on themselves. You know, where is family? Don't families help out nowadays? You know, his mother died. Has he got brothers and sisters? Why don't they go round there and do this? Why should why should we have to pay for it? Self inflicted. I don't think so. Eight four eight five O. steve LBC dot co dot uk. And uh, another one here. It's uh, just like you say, and I bet I'm not alone. But I have suffered deep depression in the past, and uh, and you never fail to lift. Oh, it's phone again. It's just come back to life now. And he said, "You never fail to um, to lift my mood in the morning." I know it's fantastic, isn't it? I love it. I mean, I think at this time of the morning, it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Everything we shall read out on the programme. Why? Because we just like doing it. It's quite nice. Except if you're really stupid. In which case, I'll just block you and then you've got no more friends ever again. Um, how do you think they weigh that chap, says Sally? Um, what's a point. Never thought about that, actually. At some point... I don't know, do bathroom scales go up to 65 stone? I shouldn't imagine they do, do they? How would you weigh him? Perhaps he's just made it up. Perhaps he's gone, I'm 65 stone. They've gone, Are you dear. Have another burger. Have some more fried bread. (laughs) 84850 stevenlbc.co.uk Thomas is very excited because you can now hear my phone in his car speaker. And he thinks it's his phone. Don't be silly, Thomas. I've got friends, OK? Just thought I'd mention that now. So here is the story, and a sad story it is, too, of um, of people who threatened to torture six kidnapped puppies on video. These are these uh, eight-week-old German shepherds taken by lifting a stable door of its hinges in a night raid on an award-winning kennels. The owner, Jade, received a cash demand and a text reading, I'm going to make a video of them getting tormented. Now... I don't know whether you're aware of the sort of people who steal dogs and then phone people up and say, you can have your dog back, it's going to cost you 800 quid. They're thieving little so-and-sos. They spend a lot of their time in prison anyway. And they were hoping to put this team in crufts. Now, they're not too, too sure. This was near uh, Malden in Essex. Now, quite clearly, this place has been targeted they would know that they've got some valuable dogs. And so they'd obviously been there before. What you have to make sure you do now, if you've got a, a kennels or you sell a, mainly dogs, they're not really interested in cats at all, these sort of people. And they go round there and they've generally got white vans and they just throw them all in the, in the back and off they go. They're not interested in them. They're interested in what they're worth. So for somebody to get them back, they go £4,000. You can have them back. Otherwise, we're going to torture them and we're going to video. I want to take these people and hang them, but that's just me. That's just me, you know, because I've just decided that, you know, that's that's the best way forward. And um, Paul Cooper says, you, you can leave the keys to your flat, he says. And um, he said, I, I, I can then sort of go go round there and check up on you. That could be. Of course, it depends whether you're listening to the radio that morning, doesn't it? <laughs> I like that idea. This is Paul Cooper, who when we discovered people the other day were not worth too much money, he thought he was worth 73 pence. Because I said most people nowadays, I can't remember what the story was, are worth quite a bit. If you've got your own property, then uh, then you could be worth, in London, you know, half a million pounds, you know, quite easily. He, he doesn't think he is. He thinks he's only worth 73p. Bless his heart. Actually, I've not been in there this week, because I've had so many things to do. By the time I've got home lunchtime, it's gone half past 12, and it's time to sort of start getting myself ready for tea and then watch a bit of telly. I, I got my films through. Remember I said I ordered? It's a, a selection of... Oh, sorry. A selection of films, which... Um, Which I was really looking forward to. And you get four film favourites on, I think it's either one or two DVDs. And I bought it on Amazon. Uh, One of them is um, John Harding and uh, Victor Moore. In a a film called It Happened on Fifth Avenue. It's a Christmassy kind of film. Now, my friend, I've got a friend who works for another radio station in this building. And he won't watch anything to do with Christmas until it's Christmas. Seriously. You know, I, I can say to him, you must really watch this film. And he said, I can't. I said, why? He said, because it's it's Christmas. I said, yeah, but it doesn't matter. I, I, I watch Christmas films when it's, when it's not Christmas. Oh, he said, no, you, you, you can't do that at all. So, Ian, you're going to absolutely hate this, this box set because it's got... It happened on Fifth Avenue. Greer Garson and Walter Pigeon in Blossoms in the Dust. Uh, Robert Mitchum and Janet Lee in Holiday Affair but the one that i got it for is all mine to give. This was the film that was also known as The Night They Gave The Babies Away. And it's a story of six children and their mummy and daddy in America setting up a new life. Daddy daddy dies and so mummy is left to help bring up the children and they all they're all sort of different ages. It's a real it's a real whoopy film. My friend Ian will not watch it till christmas and then i 'm not i 'm not spoiling it because it 's been out since the 1950s um, but it 's well worth watching because then mummy dies as well so that so the children are left with no mummy or daddy, and they have to bring up they have to help bring each other up, and they suddenly realize that this is a mammoth task they can 't do it it 's just not physically possible, so the older boy decides with the help of his sister that they will they will go round to all the people near where they live, and they live in the middle of nowhere, and it's snowing, and say, Would you please look after my brother or my sister? Because we can't we can't do it any more. And in those days you did get lots of families who couldn't have children, and so he goes round trudging around through the snow, giving away his brothers and sisters. It breaks your heart. It really does. It breaks your heart. You never know what happens to him though. You never know what happens to him in the end of the film. But it's called All Mine To Give. That was the title that they gave it at the cinema. Really, really good thing, actually. But my friend Ian won't watch any of these because they're all Christmas. I said, just because it's snowing doesn't mean it's Christmas. But he's quite adamant. It's like, I don't think he'll eat satsumas or, or nuts. He might do nuts. But he definitely won't do satsumas because he thinks they're, they're, they're Christmassy. Strange. Very strange. Coming up on the programme, the other side of the news, the ultimate rock chick. Was wed at 71. She used to go out with George Harrison. Terry Wogan's going to host a new show at the age of 76. Wow. There's a thieving wedding firm boss You know, oh, I can make your wedding dress, I can do this, I can do that. No, she never made anything at all. She just thieved from these couples and went on holidays. Ghastly, ghastly old bag. Cutting out one fizzy drink a day slashes the risk of diabetes. The thieving twins dressed alike so they could go shoplifting. Ronnie Woods suggested reunion with the Faces could be in trouble. He said that Rod Stewart's people are only interested in money. The retired field marshal in the Child Sex Quiz, famous for punching Greville jammer, apparently. All linked, isn't it, somewhere? It's LBC.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, a pretty nice to have company. Uh, Being lonely makes you eat more interesting, isn't it? So presumably the man on the uh, front of the newspaper today is very, very lonely. And, I mean, can't exactly have friends. Can't hardly say you to pop round and sit on the end of the bed. The ultimate rock chick weds at 71. Terry Wogan at 76 is to host a new show. I thought he'd retired. Obviously not. Cutting out one fizzy drink a day slashes the risk of diabetes. One of Labour's youngest election candidates could be jailed. He's been found guilty of train ticket fraud. I see it every day. People who walk through the barriers, they don't bother checking the ticket in or out. They're too stupid to realise that when you get the other end, you put it on there. It doesn't just go from the last station, it goes for the whole thing. But they're too dumb to realise that. And miserable old David Beckham, 40 and no friends, jetting off all by himself from the airport, looking glum. Honestly, He must spend his life living in airports. Do you think he just collects duty free? He just sort of wanders around. Where are you going? going to LAX. All right, what are you going to do? Don't know. Probably get on a plane somewhere. And a, and a vicar has been refused a tribunal. Why? It's a really... This is a, a bizarre vicar to start with. I'll tell you this story a bit later on. But his employer is God. I mean, it. it's... <laughs> I'm sorry, quite clearly his employer is not God. He's employed by the Church of England Synod. He's not employed by God. I've never read it. But they use it in court, don't they? It's an excuse now. No, uh, he can't go to a tribunal because God is his employer. No, he isn't. The money doesn't come from God. It comes from the Church of England Synod. Well, oh, dear. So here are the thieving twins. They've been named and shamed in the paper the other day. This is Penelope and Constance Harris, otherwise known as thieves. And uh, what they did, they used to go shoplifting in identical clothes to fool the shop staff. Both would get trolleys. Uh, one would buy small items, while the other one just walked out with one full of stolen goods. So their looks made it appear to staff that only one had been in the shop. Quite clever. Unfortunately, it didn't last too long. They come from Port Leven uh, in Cornwall. They use similar tactics to steal a grounds worth of food and alcohol from Tesco, Marks and Spencers and the co-op. Constance... That'll be the ugly one on the left-hand side, was jailed for 18 weeks. And Penelope, that'll be the ugly one on the right-hand side, was given 14 weeks. Both pleaded guilty to several charges. They've obviously been doing it for ages and ages, and they've now finally got caught. So uh, make a mental note, if you live down at Port Leven in Cornwall, the thieving twins are out. It's funny that, isn't it? I never thought about that one, but it's quite a a good ruse if you you sort of work it out. Uh, There's some presenter who's getting married very, very shortly. Um, and apparently he's in talks with the BBC to become the face of a new sports entertainment show. God, I think highly unlikely everything else he's done has failed, so I think that's not very likely at all. The Express today, the Queen, at Windsor the other day, always smiling, always looking happy. Perhaps she could have a word with old Davy boy Beckham. You know, she's sort of 89, and he's like, you know, 40 going on 12, and he's, he's more tantrumy than anybody else. Prince Charles dressed up uh, in his colonel's uniform... You just don't see Prince Charles a the colonel. It's, they're all just, they just give them uniforms. They're just sort of, what do you want to dress, dress up as today? And so they give them, you know, some interesting goes, Oh, I look really good in this. No, you look silly. You really do look silly. And it's the, uh, who is the rock and roll bride? Yes, it's Patty Boyd, ex wife of George Harrison and Eric Clapton. And at the age of 71, uh, she's been in this relationship for quite some time, about 25 years. And she says it seemed the right thing to do. So at the age of 71, she got married. It's something about rock chicks, isn't it? I say rock chicks. I mean, it, it seems to come from a different generation now. But at seventy-one, she's probably as youthful as she ever felt, and uh, and she's enjoying it. So for the third time at seventy-one, uh, Patty gets married. She used to get abuse from the fans. The fans of the Beatles used to write her abuse because they wanted to think that they could marry George or they could marry Paul or you know anybody. It's uh, you know never never a good idea in the rock world to actually be married. Because the fans just write the... Especially in One Direction. I should imagine the girlfriends of the One Direction boys get absolutely slaughtered. Absolutely slaughtered. Tens of thousands of passengers were stuck yesterday. Uh, fighting broke out at Clapham Junction. Have you been there? Oh, good Lord, I'd fight at Clapham Junction. It's um, it's known as Britain's busiest railway station. I forget how many platforms it's got. 46 or something. It's, it's just a huge amount of platforms. And the reason is that... um. People got stuck in sweltering carriages, and some people were stuck on trains for up to six hours. You know, now it's not the fault of the staff that people were taking it out on the staff, and so there were fights. I mean, one of the trains, which left Brighton at 6.56am and should have reached London's Victoria at 815 was finally towed in shortly before 1pm. I mean, you'd be going mad, wouldn't you, by that time? Uh, People... Spoke of fights breaking out at Clapham Junctions. People were fighting to get on trains. Water was handed out. uh, And for some hours, no southern train services ran from Victoria, while the Gatwick Express service was suspended. A spokesman for southern trains says, we want to apologise to the passengers who've been disrupted and to thank them for their patience. (laughs) All those people were fighting to get... Get out of the way! I love it. I love it when you're sitting on a train. I always... If I'm now sitting on a train and I'm not with anybody, I sit on one of those individual seats... So that you don't have to budge up while some sort of, you know, woman sits next to you and shoves all her shopping around you. So I sort of sit there and I think that's my own seat. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it and I'm going to enjoy everything. Joey says 73 pence. I'm priceless. Priceless. Uh, You can diet and eat well, says Christine. You've just got to learn to dry fry. I bought a soup maker. Plenty of diet goodies out there for a sweet tooth person. Yeah, it's called being lazy. It's called being that's all it is it's being lazy can't be bothered so anyway so when a minute when you think about this this bloke who's 65 stone I've just thought about it It's only just occurred to me how stupid am I so we're looking at pictures of him and he's uh, and he's sort of running through for those people who've just joined us he's 65 stone he's the second person that we found who's horribly morbidly clinically obese and he's killing himself but he doesn't know what to do about it at all. He's beginning to look a little bit like Dan Wooten, who's getting fatter by the day. He needs to take a close look in the mirror. Nothing worse than a a so-called entertainment columnist who's getting that fat. Very unwise. Anyway, so this bloke, what does he eat in a day? Nine Magnums, four sausages, five burgers, fried bread, mushrooms with butter, five fried eggs, one pork pie, two ham sandwiches, one box of Frosties, 36 fish fingers, six Yorkies, six Mars bars, one 16-inch pizza, one packet of Haribo, three strawberry yogurts, Chinese meal for two and a litre of ice cream. And I suddenly thought, who's cooking it? Who is cooking? I mean, four sausages, five burgers, fried bread, mushrooms with butter and five fried eggs. That's not in one frying pan. That's got to be a two or three frying pan deal, hasn't it? And then later on, box of Frosties. So somebody's poor, innocent... Somebody's cooking for him. Who's cooking? You know, the other stuff I can understand. Yeah, I mean, because he can't move, so he can't, he can't get to the freezer. I wish he would. Perhaps he'd fall in it. I should imagine he must have the biggest freeze you've ever seen. And, I mean, the packet of Haribo's, that's OK. You just have those by the bed and snack up on it. But all the other stuff, somebody's cooking it for him. Don't tell me he's got a wife. I wouldn't believe that one. And a Chinese meal for two, that's just the takeaway. But 36 fish fingers. How many fish fingers can you get in a frying pan? About eight. Eight fish fingers, depending on how big the frying pan is. One, two, three, four. You might better get ten as a push. But somebody's cooking it and feeding him. No, stop feeding him. Stop. Let him starve. Let him starve. So much easier. Uh, there's also a school head, who who thieved. This is Shan Harkin. Uh, she's 54. She stole thirty thousand pounds from school funds. I mean, Dick, Honestly, so you train as a head teacher and then you turn out to be just some common little tea leaf who thieves. She was running a primary school, and. Um, she said that the cash should be used to build a rain shelter for parents waiting to pick up the children. Instead, she siphoned off the money to fund improvement works at her family home. But the scam unravelled after the married mother of two hired a notorious cowboy builder called Lee Slocum. <laughs> Why you'd ever want to use that person? I can't imagine. So she began plundering the funds. This is in Murtha Tidville. Uh, he was jailed early this year because you know where he comes from, don't you? He was at jail for fraud against three other families and so she's obviously in on the old racket as well she had significant financial responsibility I mean un- unbelievably this woman is so dumb so dumb Sean Harkin forged the deputy head signature uh, for work on the bungalow in Pontypri, where she lives with her husband Anthony who's a bank manager and their two children you thieving old toe rag unbelievable unbelievable all she did she just went on holidays. She defrauded the school and thereby the community. Absolutely appalling. So she admitted five counts of fraud and one each of theft and forgery. After an audit uncovered her forgery, she paid back 3200 telling police she should not have dabbled in school funds. But then there was a criminal investigation. She turns out to be a compulsive liar as well. What an embarrassment. Mummy's a thief. What an embarrassment. Anyway, uh, she's destroyed her career. She's ashamed. Yeah, so you should be. So you should be. I don't know what they've done with her, actually. Jailed for a year. Honestly, how stupid you have to... See, you've got a job, a really good job as a head teacher. Looking after a school. Your husband's a bank manager. You've got two children and you thieve. You thief. Look, Lina, you can't... Just couldn't make it up, could you, really? It makes you wonder how stupid some people are. Uh, Priceless artworks, historical artefacts have been lost at Clandon Park House. I mean, just... Heartrending, heartrending. 80 firefighters battled for ages. It was grade one listed and it's been left a shell, never ever to be retrieved. It's like being a member of ISIS, really. I liken it to that when they went round smashing history because they're just remedial people. But they've lost here um, the leather football that the British soldiers kicked over no man's land after going over the top on the first day of the Battle of the Somme. We've lost that. That's gone. Loads of stuff. Porcelain, furniture, textiles. The house is essentially a shell now. It's been used as a as a wedding venue. Features in The Duchess, a period drama with Kira Knightley. And uh, I don't know what they're going to be doing. Mark Nichols posted on Twitter. My brother was supposed to be getting married there on Friday. We've now got 24 hours to plan a wedding. Absolutely dreadful, isn't it? I mean, the outside of the house is there and the inside rooms but to put it back together will cost a small fortune luckily the national trust are filthy rich they should have the money but i bet you anything there'll be an appeal going out but they've got millions hundreds of millions of pounds but what they want to do is not spend it they want to try and you know keep the money that they've got and raise something else but i mean to lose everything but but they they put windsor castle back together after the Queen refused to have fire alarms installed and then a fire took over. And that's all been done, back to the same original standard. They can do the same for Clanton Park, exactly the same can be done. They can recreate, not with all the things that were in originally, but they can find furniture from that period and they can put it back in the house. But something like the football, you'll never see it again. It's quarter past five. All the big names are going to drop in today for uh, Nick on the bus, First Minister... Carwin Jones, a certain former Labour leader's son, Stephen Kinnock, Labour's Shadow Secretary for Wales, Owen Smith, and Plaid Cymru's Leanne Wood will be chatting. And as we hear that victory in 25% of constituencies could be decided by the Muslim vote, are politicians doing enough to reach out to the communities they serve? Nick is live from Roald Dahl Plus in Cardiff. You can head down and see the team in action. It's a huge picture of him on the side of the bus. And you can find out details on the rest of the journey which ends in London on our website lbc.co.uk You were quite right actually, Kevin. There were songs uh, written about Patty Boyd. Uh, The first one being uh, I think Something, which was Something in the way she moves Attracts me like no other lover And that was that one. I think that was written by um, George And uh, then Eric Clapton fell in love with her and he wrote Layla and Wonderful Tonight in her honour. So she's got three songs, three songs, and uh, everybody fell in love with her. So when you listen to that song, Something in the Way She Moves, that was written for Patrick. How nice to have a song written about you. How nice. And of course it stays there, but she just got married for the third time. She's been with her present partner, property developer, for about 25 years. They've had their ups and downs, but they've said, listen, let's get married, for goodness sake. Let's do it. So they did with their dog as well. And then there was the story that we brought you yesterday. On LBC of Elliot Fogel. This is the man who used a a wedding picture as the screensaver image on his computer. Only in his case, the photograph was not of him and his wife, but of another couple entirely. Fogel was in fact a sad loner. The bride in the picture was a woman called Claire Waxman, who'd had the misfortune to catch his eye as a sixth former some years previously. So in 2003, he embarked on a 12-year campaign of stalking that was so relentless that she developed insomnia and a stomach ulcer, lost large amounts of weight and suffered a miscarriage. In one year alone, Elliot Fogel googled her name 40,000 times. That's how obsessed he was. He bombarded her with late-night phone calls, letters, flowers, bizarre gifts. He spent countless hours following her and on one occasion broke into her car. She had to move five times to try and shake him off. But each time, he tracked her down. This week, the law caught up with him. He was jailed for three and a half years for breaching a lifetime restraining order. He's quite clearly got some mental illness. And she said, after the verdict, stalkers wreck their victims' lives. My family and I have had to endure 12 years of persistent stalking. So luckily, he's in prison. Perhaps they'll sort of meter out their own punishment to him. But it's happened before. Catherine Zeta-Jones... Emily Maitlis, loads of people. In fact, there used to be a radio presenter, and he was stalked by this woman who thought she was married to him. She in her deluded, mentally ill mind. She believed that she was married. She would turn up waiting in reception, and people said, "What are you doing here?" She, "I'm waiting for my husband." And she firmly believed that she was married to him. Mad as a toothbrush, I'm afraid. I mean, there were all sorts of people who was, you know, there's a woman here who was a presenter of the six o'clock news and she was uh, cyber stalked by somebody. Because somebody said the other day, who was it? Somebody said the other day, it might have been James O'Brien, who said that stalkers are people who fancy you. You know, even those who sort of write terrible things about you, they really fancy you because they're hoping that you're going to look their way. But of course, nobody ever does because they're sad people. They're they're not, not all there in the upstairs department. So they're now changing the law. And they're going to make sure that this doesn't happen. Twelve years for this poor woman, Claire Waxman, trying to, you know, run, you know, her own life with her husband and children, only to be intimidated by some rag called Elliot Fogel, who, you know, you've only got to look at him to realise he's got more than one or two screws loose. The lights are on, but nobody's home. The lift certainly didn't go to the top floor in his case. He was told time and time again, stay away. And each time he couldn't. And now he's in prison. You know, perhaps something will happen to him in there. I mean, it's just, it's dreadful for these people. And it tends to be people in the public eye. People who people have seen on television and that people develop fixations about. You know, they watch the newsreaders and they go, oh, you winked the other day. You were winking at me, weren't you? No, they weren't. Saddo. It's like, I oh, always remember years and years ago, it used to make me laugh. Eamon Holmes, you'd say, nice to see you this morning. You, thought, you can't see us. Don't play to the deluded out there, because there's certainly deluded people. It's funny, actually, isn't it? I was watching Eamon Holmes the other day. I do like him. I know I take the mickey out of him on a constant basis, but I love the I love the wife. But the funny thing is, he's he's got a new pair of glasses. And he looks a little bit like sort of the prime of Miss Jean Brodie. He looks like a schoolteacher. And I thought to myself... Well, why don't you have your eyes lasered? Ruth's gone on about it for ages and ages. Perhaps they didn't ask you to do it. Perhaps you could do an advert too and start promoting something. So he keeps putting these glasses on, then he takes them off. Then he puts them on, then he takes them off. Why not just leave them on and peer over the top of them like I do? It's much easier. You don't necessarily need them, and I can't read a word without having them on. So he's got these new glasses, but he should have tried them on first. You know, if you're going to have a pair of glasses, try and pick a pair that at least suits you. Uh, Gene Nedich died this week. She did get a lot of coverage in the papers, and I was going to mention her the other day, but I didn't. And the reason I didn't is because I didn't have enough time in the programme to actually get get round to it. But you do know who, who Jean Nedich was, you know who Jean Nedich was, yes, you do. She was the woman who uh, came up with Weight Watchers. She created Weight Watchers, and I think she died uh, this week. I forget how old she was. I think she was in her, um, I think in her late eighties. So uh, ninety-one. Oh, there we go. Very much. Ninety-one, And so she was the person who sort of said, you know, you can actually do it. You can actually lose weight. And, of course, diet is big business. I mean, di- there was a whole range of Weight Watchers products. and uh, But I'm pleased to say that uh, diabetics don't come into it because a lot of diabetic products have now been withdrawn from the market. If you're diabetic, you don't need to eat special products at all. You really don't. Uh, 8 for 850, steve dot uk. And uh, another one here. Thomas says, oh, let me elaborate. I am a, a minicab driver. Oh, Lord. Your phone your phone in car speakers sounds exactly like the handsets left by passengers. Actually, isn't it funny, though, that if uh, that we've all got the same ringtone, haven't we? Or well, most people have got a very similar ringtone. And when, when it goes off on the train, you automatically think, oh, was that my phone ringing? And you, and you look down at it only to realise it's somebody else's. Doesn't work all the time, does it really? Uh, very quickly here. Uh, eight for eight five oh. Just wondered, says Carl, if Britain is the only country to still use the stone as a unit of weight here in Canada. Although we're officially metric, the pound is still the most common unit for weight. Yes, I mean to be honest with you, I'm old enough to remember, you know, pounds, pounds and ounces. Uh, and now it's going. I really don't know what it is. I really I even have, even have to sort of be be difficult. Um, I, I find great difficulty in trying to work things out. So when somebody says what sixty five stone in tonnage, I've got no idea. Uh, day out at the beach. With your show on in the background, Steve, no fatties here, even the dogs are fit. See, that's the good thing. If you've got a dog and you've got a beach, the world is your oyster. It really is, isn't it? Um, I didn't see Paul Whitehouse in a programme called uh, Nurse. He plays several characters, one of which is morbidly obese man, whom the nurse visits while his mother is always feeding him in the background. And the sketch always ends on the mother providing him with a huge plate of doughnuts. See, the trouble is, if you eat all this stuff, and we all know, don't we, unless you're really silly... You know that if you eat cream cakes and fried food and chips and fish fingers and all that other stuff and you eat it on a daily basis and you don't do any exercise, you're going to get fat. You know, no t- unless you've really got one of those metabolisms that uh, that sort of changes completely. But, I mean, we know the difference. It's The trouble is all these people bleat on about it. Oh, yeah, my mother died. I have to start eating. And you think, no, it's nothing to do with it. Grow up and get over yourself. Go on a diet. Or the NHS should do something. I don't know how you can ever let somebody get to that size. Surely, by the time he got to 30 stone, one of his carers, who's obviously cooking for him as well, should have realised and said to the local hospital, listen, how can, we, how can we keep his weight down? And then it just went on. 30, 35, 40... 45? What? And nobody noticed. What are they, blind carers or something? 45? 50? 55? 60? And still nobody did anything? Still the carers are going, do you want two slices of fried bread or one? Uh, 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 um, three? Okay, do three. And then he gets a 65 stone. And then he's on there going, I might die. I can promise you, you will. There's no might about it. Brian says, I saw a picture of Patty Boyd when I was 12 in one of my sister's magazines. I fell madly in love with her and cut out the picture and kept it in my wallet. Oh, I don't know, honestly. But that's what people did, isn't it? I mean, everybody loved Patty Boyd. Every Seriously, that's why people wrote songs about her. She was very alluring, very alluring. And still at 71, she is as alluring. Uh, Steve, says Tom, my dad, who is seriously disabled and has uh, had brain surgery, brain injury. He's had over 200 Christmas DVDs and plays at least one each day in the afternoon. Mum says she can cope with a disability, the mood swings, the memory loss, but she does think the DVDs are grounds for divorce. <laughs> you see, you're talking to somebody here who absolutely adores Christmas. Seriously, I can't help her. I'm just I'm just a bit silly for Christmas. But I I do I have friends in the business who go, No, you can't watch a Christmas film in summer. I go, Of course you that's the whole idea of it. You watch a Christmas film with the snow coming down and you go, hope it snows this year. I can't subscribe to the we've got to wait till December. And even then, they go, Well, it's still a bit early for Satsumas. Shut up. Enjoy every bit of it. Goodness sake. Quick time check for you. 5.30. 30. Steve Allen on LBC. Good morning, everybody. 29 minutes to 6. So, uh, this weekend, uh, we've got In Conversation. It's as normal. Next weekend, because you're voting, aren't you? It will be different. So, I'm not here on Friday morning, but I'm here on Saturday morning and Sunday morning. Next week, there is no In Conversation. No In Conversation next week, but there is an In Conversation this week. And it's the turn of the girls. Two of my favourite ladies, both have been with me before... Uh, one of them, I think, probably this is about the fourth time, but I just adore her coming in. The other one, I just—I've always liked both of them. I've never been disappointed. And um, the producer who actually put it out went, "She's really lovely." But there again, he's—he's he's a bit single and sad. And uh, and I said, "No, she is lovely." I said, we, "We disappointed." He said, "No," he said, "She's absolutely lovely." And then he started dribbling, so I kind of left him to one side. And uh, she's a ray of sunshine. She ended 2014 by being the first person to have ever got married inside Hampton Court. She's now pregnant with her first child. This is Catherine Jenkins. And I started by asking her about the ceremony.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I got married at the end of September um, to a a lovely uh, New Yorker. So um, between us, we've got both sides of a pretty big family so yes. just fitting the family and was we had to find a pretty large venue but it was an amazing How did you persuade day.
1: them is it easy to get Hampton it's not easy to get Hampton Court is it?
2: Well we were the first people to get married there um insi- inside the State Department so um, <gasps> I think it was just more that we were just very lucky they just recently got a license to start having weddings inside and it just everything lined up when we were the first to be in there, but it's, I've sung there before, I've always thought it was an amazing venue, I'm a bit yeah. of a Tudor geek, as well a secret Tudor geek, oh, that me would, too. oh really oh, we have to share books I live things. down the road, well I live very close as well, so, oh do uh, you, yes, are we neighbours? <laughs> we might be, I can't believe
1: it I'm, I'm a member of Historic Royal Palaces <laughs> right, so I go, there. I've been, have you been up on the roof? I
2: have, oh I, you've done the roof I, as well, I have, well when I was singing there they gave me a special tour oh. um, and so I always thought, I've always kind of been fascinated by it and then i thought well especially you know for my family who've never been there but can you imagine all the americans that yes. came they, oh, they, love they it. kept calling it a castle i was like, it's not a castle it's a palace
1: it's a pa- it certainly is and she's the person to be in the palace she loves anything tudor she needs to go to where do we go to went to nonsuch and that's where henry the grew up but uh, she's absolutely lovely and she's talking about a concert which is being put on to uh, celebrate ve day and it's going to be, I think it might be next week, actually, a week after. And it's going to be at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, it's a tie-in with our sister station, Classic FM. But she's, she's lovely. She really She's absolutely charming. My second guest, no stranger to this studio. She's back this time with book number, we were trying to work it out, actually. I think it's book number five. This is Fern Britton. And so when I talked to her, I asked her about her interviewing style. After all, what you see is what you get with this presenter.
3: Yeah, well, that, that's, I think that's the only way to do a, a good interview, is to really talk to somebody and and enjoy meeting them. And then whatever they say is, is them coming out with who they are. Yeah. That's the way to do it.
1: Did you have any say in, in the guests on the programme?
3: Yes. Is this, are you talking about Fern Britain Meats? Yes. yes. I've done seven years of it. And also, yesterday I heard we're doing it again this year, so I'm so happy.
1: And do they give you, because on, on my programme, mm. they say, right, who would you like to talk to out of this, this list of people? I go, yes, 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 yes. Maybe not. Uh, yes, 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 and that's it. Do they do the same for you?
3: Yes, absolutely. We get a whole list. We get a wish list from right. God downwards, yeah. <laughs> God, yes. the Queen, you know, all those people you want, <laughs> please, please, um, and um, and then eventually we get down to the right four or maybe five, depending on how many weeks we're going to do it, and um, and then we're just lucky, and we, you know, who even sometimes I have thought to myself, oh, I don't really want to do. They've turned out to be the best. Yes.
1: See, I find it. We had so much in common because we both do it for a living. And um, she interviewed Donny Osmond. And, and I said to her, I interviewed Donny Osmond as well. And she said, isn't he just charming? And I said, absolutely. I said, but bearing in mind, he's been working in the business for ages. And I know there's lots of Donny fans who listen to this programme. And every time he comes in... There's always a crowd of fans outside. Courtney will tell you this downstairs. He sees more of these celebrities coming in the building. And Donnie is always charming, professional. I mean, just everything, really. So we had a lot to talk about. And she's, she's quite right. Sometimes you dread an interview. Not dread it because you think they're going to be difficult with you it's just that you might not do them justice you you know and the whole idea about interviewing people is to make sure that they have a nice experience they're coming into our radio station we want them to be happy to come in here because the happier they are and the more you relax them and put them at their ease the better the interview you know i know that sometimes yesterday i had a, a guest coming in who's a big star he's you know he's seen around the world and he's he's only 28 uh, Keir Harrington, he's, he's, he's going to be mega. I mean, he's big at the moment. And, you know, everybody you mentioned that he was coming in, they were going, oh, really? Oh, can I come in the studio? And I'd go, no, you can't. And uh, and I said to him, you know, it's it's a bit difficult to fit in all these interviews around promoting the film spooks. And he said, yeah. He said, but I'm OK. He said, I'm, I'm OK with it. I always insist, though, that I try and get the first interview. And luckily, with the uh, the fab film company that he's with, it worked out beautifully, because I get the first interview. All his other ones will be a lot shorter. But you're always hoping for that, for that really super-duper interview, and you go, because they'll then remember you next time round. And so when they say, would you like to do LBC? Oh, yeah, I had a nice time there. And that's how exactly it works with Fern. She sits down the same as we do. My, my producer, Beth, will send me a list of suggested people. I've had to turn some of them down. Because I just don't want to talk to them. We did go through one week. She said, oh, I've got so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And And I looked at the first three names and I had to write back no to all of them. Because they they were people I just didn't want to talk to on the programme. I thought, you know, if I don't like them on the television, I'm not going to like them on my programme. I have spoken to people before who they said, oh, we'd really like to hear you talking to this person. A couple of them I might, I might tell you all in my autobiography, if we ever get that far in life, if I live long enough. And uh, and she said, we, we start with this wish list, which is what we do, and then it goes through various processes. And then, once you've agreed that, yes, you will do the interview with the person, and my boss always says to me, he said Oh, Steve, he said, who are you talking to? Because he talks like that. We had this argument, not argument, you know, that my impression of a person from up north apparently bears no resemblance to anybody from up north at all. And so James O'Brien said, go, on, do, go and do it. Oh, Steve. I said, no, I can't do it when somebody asks me. I said, but he'll say, oh, see, who are you doing today? And I'll tell him, and somebody will go, oh, who's that? And I show him a picture, oh, I know them. And so we did that yesterday, and, um, and so at least, at least we're okay with that one. But it goes for all of them. Then, of course, once you've agreed to do the thing, you've then got to fit them into the diary. And they've got to fit in at a time that is convenient for the studio, because we have a choice of about one, two, three, four... I've got about six studios that I could probably use, but they get really busy with lots of other people. Yesterday they had little mix in, and because uh, I was I was queuing up for a coffee downstairs. When I say queuing, I was hanging around for a coffee. I don't I don't like to be seen queuing. It looks a bit naff, I'm afraid. And um, and Dan, who's our uh, barista, he always writes a little something under my cup. So I've put I put a stop to that straight away. I wrote to him yesterday saying you won't be writing anything underneath my cup in future, and he wrote back, "No, I won't." I thought that was good we sorted that one out Anyway So I saw this sort of group in I knew that they, they were a pop group Because they were fairly short And they had dark glasses on Indoors So they've got to be a pop group Of course I didn't recognise them And so then I said to Charlie Charlie who does all the interviews Charlie Gerling As you know Listening to this programme right now And Because uh, that'll upset her now I know she'll be upset about the whistling And she wrote back and said It's Little Mix So I then said to somebody in the queue I said Not that I was queuing I said It's Little Mix She went Oh right unrecognisable, because you wouldn't know who they were because they've got hats on and dark glasses and because they're all tiny tiny. nobody's normal size in the pop world they're all small and so we did that, so once we've sorted out the date and it's convenient, the only thing I can't do for my interviews, unless they're absolutely mega, is anything after lunchtime because, you know, I'm up at one o'clock in the morning. It makes So they always go, Steve gets up really early. So, you know, 9.30 or 8 o'clock would be really nice. <laughs> and occasionally, very occasionally, you do get an 8 o'clock or an 8.30 or a 9 interview. The latest I'll ever do now is 11. That's my only stipulation. Apart from that, I'm very, very amenable. And then, of course, the nice thing is that you get to talk to these people. Everybody else sees them on the television. They go, oh, I saw so-and-so. They go, oh, I talked to them. My brother's always saying to me, who'd you talk to this week? And I go, oh, I talk to so-and-so and so and so and He goes, oh, what would they like? Everybody asks. Oh, and I say the same every time. They're really nice. <laughs> really. So this week, really nice. Catherine Jenkins, really nice. Fern Britain, both lovely. Fern's, as I say, got a book out. Catherine is doing two VE Day concerts. And we'll talk about those on the programme on Sunday morning between 5 and 6 a.m. And then I'm live between 6 and 8 for early Sunday breakfast. And then back again at 9 o'clock at night for in conversation that's this week next week is different not here on the friday morning because nick ferrari is doing an election special which starts early early and then i'm going to be here on saturday morning and sunday morning so there's no in conversation on the sunday but in case anything changes i'm here to do a, a live program so we'll go through the papers as usual and we'll do the same on on saturday morning so i hope you'll join me for that and podcast as well and uh, June is saying what well, everybody else is saying. When is this baby going to arrive? I'm now losing the will to live. She says, Am I the only one who's hoping that the baby arrives around 10 p.m. on Thursday? Just as the media going to. Yes, but what do they do? We cover election, baby, election, but oh dear, both together, both together. Wednesday would be quite nice to get it over and done with and out of the way, and I don't mean that in a in a nasty way, but I'm just saying the media have got enough to cope with, with camera crews and tour buses and, you know, everybody else campaigning up and down the country without having to worry about there's a, there's a baby being born, it's only a baby for God's sake, unless it's going to come out with two heads and three legs, you know, it's not going to be that exciting, it's just a baby, and they could just bring anybody out, couldn't they? I think i bring out Harper 7, hold her up and go, look, big baby, put her back down again, mum, mumma, mumma. And she tries to walk off screen with her batteries on. Um, another one here from, uh, who is this one? Um, <laughs> Airfan. Now, I can't answer you that that question on air. I can't answer, I don't know. I don't know the answer to it, but I did speak to the presenter the breakfast presenter of that programme the other day, who was telling me about One Direction had been confirmed. Everybody very excited, and there's lots of other names. I was also offered tickets the other day for that particular event. I had to say, I think I'm a bit too old for things like that. I'm not, of course, being 39 plus of that. Uh, Malcolm says, I can recall my late mother when she heard the promise that MPs made on election time. She'd say, listen to him, he's going to play hell with a big stick. Yeah, because it's, it, is, it is promising. And it, and you have to take it as promising. You have to take it as they will tell you what you want to hear. And that's why when you have the big debates, you have to try and see who's going to pull who apart. And are they going to offer this? And so when they offer that, what are they taking away? Where is that money coming from? Unless we're sort of just, just printing it. 84850. Andrew says, I can't believe you have to go to the coffee machine yourself. Surely you should have a runner to bring it to you. Well, um... I do have people who will, if I say now I'd like a cup of coffee, I'm going to get a cup of coffee because I'm doing a speech programme. But uh, in the in the break at six, I can actually manage to walk to a kitchen. And because we've got, you don't have to wait for a kettle to boil. We, all our taps are either ice cold filtered water or boiling hot water for tea and coffee. So I just, it takes but a second. I put, put my bag in there and the hot water. So I can do it. I'm not, I'm not that precious that I can't go downstairs. And it isn't a coffee machine, we have a barista. Dan Dan makes the coffee individually. And uh, and yesterday I did get a bit carried away and I had two ham and cheese croissants. I don't know why. It's uh, guilt, 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 guilt. I'll probably have to run a mile today to get rid of it. Uh why can't the sixty stone man, says Pablo, try salads, simple solution. Well I don't think salads are gonna help him because it's no good as you know, just losing weight, because otherwise you're going to have all this blubber. There was a television programme, didn't they cut 45 stone off a man? Because it was all just just useless flesh. It's no good losing the weight if you're not going to do the exercise to tighten it up. So you end up with even more blubber, except this time it just looks it looks like something's been washed up on a beach somewhere. So they have to cut it off. So this man with 65 stone... Of, uh, of just useless flesh. At the moment, it's all moving around. If he lost the weight, not necessarily by just eating salads, they'd have to cut it away. It's going to look like a patchwork quilt. You know, there could be sewing bits up here and sewing bits along there. But did you see the programme the other day on the television? Louis Theroux meets transgender children. One of them was about seven Seven, and I got a bit confused because when I was watching it, I didn't actually know which was which was a transgender. Were they male to female or female to male? I didn't. I didn't really know. I did see one man on there who was going female and had a girlfriend. It was all a bit confusing, um, but decided to keep his man bits, but then have other bits on. And then a man who did gender reassigning, and then they had a, um, a kid on there who can't have been any more than twelve who was talking about, can't wait to, uh, to sort of get married and have children. And I'm thinking, but you're a boy. You're not, you know, I know you might have realigned, but you're never going to have children unless you adopt. You know, you're not physically capable of having children. And then he had another one of about seven. And Louis Threw says, D- do you know what you are? And, and this little kid of seven went, Trans trans, and you thing, and was happily putting on dresses. But then I think, that comes down to parents, doesn't it? Is that why a lot of parents get panicky and go, start kicking a football around, you might make you butch. In which case, of course, it kind of defeats the object. You know, because uh, I can remember somebody close to me was given a shopping trolley for Christmas as a boy and turned out to be entirely heterosexual. But there you go, quarter to six. <laughs> Latest headlines, Lisa Allen on LBC. <laughs> Morning, everybody. Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's ten to six. Spare a thought for a couple who make all the papers today. Uh, Call Phil Spencer, not that one, and his partner Kate Slater. Uh, they lost their black lab uh, called Winston when they rang their local veterinary practice to see if anybody had seen him. Uh, to their horror, they were told that their thirteen-year-old pet had been put to sleep without their permission. Uh, as the vet thought he had health problems and was distressed. Phil said he was put down like a piece of vermin. You don't put a dog down without attempting to find the owners. It's wrong. They should have kept him in overnight in a kennel, but that was too much trouble. He wasn't in any pain. She said, every week, every weekend, we take him for a three-mile walk. And so they just got, strange enough, they got phoned uh, by the receptionist at the practice at around 830 uh, t- saying Winston's here, and so they said, "Oh, great!" Um, the vet was busy. Would we'll give him a call back, obviously expecting to hear, you know, we've got your dog here. You need to come down and, and sign for him and all the rest of it. They heard nothing, so Phil called at nine twenty-five, only to be told the dog's been put down. Okay, I mean, it, they must have thought it was like some horrendous joke. Kate's in PR and marketing. She said quite clearly Winston was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like most old Labradors, he had wonky back legs, which meant they weren't very strong, but he was in relatively good health for a dog of his age. I burst into tears, well, as you would. When you found out he'd been put down, we were both distraught. And then, surprisingly, you know, the arrogance, the uh, the partnership, which is Blythman and Partners veterinary practice, said they were unable to make a statement to a third party. The arrogance of these places. Wait a minute. I mean, I suggest, really, that uh, Phil and Kate seek legal advice on this. I don't think you could just take a dog and put it down. You know, it's got nothing to do with them. They'd already phoned the dog, so had they put the dog down at that time? If, in which case, why did they not say anything? You know, was was the receptionist covering up? I'd seek legal advice. You can't just go and put a dog down. It's appalling. Absolutely appalling. And also, what's appalling? The dog, I to wonder what on earth was going on. I feel immensely sorry for them, immensely. Uh, so a happier story with a man called Ray Foley. Ray Foley is 79. He's obviously keeping young with gardening. Now, I've often been told that gardening is very therapeutic and keeps you young. He uh, lives in a block of former council flats. And what he had at one time was a weed-filled garden. Not anymore. Because despite having no gardening experience, the retired builder has planted hundreds of flowering plants to brighten up the area he's now become a local celebrity in shirley near birmingham he's been bombarded with requests from people wanting him to transform their gardens too i mean it's it's beautiful i just can't help feeling that vandals are going to do this one terrible damage he says that we bought the flat in the 1980s i didn't even like gardening when we started Uh, when my mum passed away we rented it out until five years ago and we made it our home the garden was overgrown full of lager cans that's shirley for you and he said, every week I went to the garden centre, bought uh, seedlings, researched what flowers came out when. Within a few years I was quite proud of what I created. It's only 20 by 28 feet. And it's home to 2,000 petunias, dozens of roses, lilies, begonias and dahlias. And everybody, you know, it's, it's basically, a, you know, roads and tower blocks round there. But his place is like, woo. To me, I see this and I go, lovely, watering. Watering nightmare. He must have a hose that runs from out of one of his windows. To, uh, to keep the thing going, because it does take its birth Not at the moment, because of the atrocious weather, and it's going to be bad this weekend, except Monday. I'm hoping that we might get something a little bit decent today. I'm not looking for, you know, brilliant sunshine. I'm having a bit of a shopping day today. I quite like a... Sh- Every so often, I have a little shopping day. It's a little treat, and as you know today, it's pants. OK. Uh, also, the 175th anniversary of the postage stamp is being marked with a set... It will include an image of the original Penny Black. On may first, eighteen forty, the Penny Black went on sale. For use on letters being delivered anywhere in Britain. It would have cost in today's money three pounds seven pence. See, I think it's actually good value. You, you, you put—I don't know how to work it out because I can't get there. But I, uh, I put sort of always more stamps than I need on an envelope to make sure it gets there. But uh, this one was part of a huge change in the post, including charges worked out by weight rather than by distance or number of sheets in a letter. Uh, there also, this set includes an image of the Tupney Blue. It goes on sale from May the sixth. So for philatelists everywhere. You'll be absolutely loving and looking forward to that one. I do like looking at stamps. I do have somewhere, I don't know where it is, I think my brother might have it, um, an old stamp album, a Stanley Gibbons stamp album. I think all the rare ones were taken out a long time ago, so it makes me feel slightly depressed about it. Um, what else do we have in the papers for today? That, uh, that uh, dog that went missing. Uh, and uh, what are your rights? I should point out your rights on this one, because anybody can put down an animal to relieve suffering, as long as it's done humanely. Uh, though vets have the drugs and training to carry this out most effectively. A vet or a member of the public can commit an offence by an act or failure to act that causes an animal to suffer unnecessarily. Although a vet is expected to consult the owner, there may be circumstances where the vet judges that the animal's condition is such that it should in its own interest be destroyed without delay. They were only walking with it two hours previously. I mean, come on. God, dear me. Anyway, they've got pictures of him, but they just don't have the dog anymore. I wonder what have they done with him? A charity shop volunteer is desperately trying to trace her bracelet worth fifteen hundred quid, sold by a colleague for one pound ninety nine in a charity shop. Debbie Aston Thwaites had been given the piece of jewellery by her family as a present for her fiftieth birthday, and would wear it every day. Seems a bit unwise. While she was serving customers at the local Age UK branch, the catch became stuck, so she took it off, showed it to a colleague at the shop, who said she'd fix it. Went back to serving customers. When she went home later that day, she forgot to take the bracelet with her. When she realised the following day, she called the shop, but nobody was able to find it. It was only then she discovered that the bracelet had been sold after being priced at £1.99. She said, I'm shocked that anybody would think it was a cheap piece of costume jewellery. It was gold with diamonds and had a hallmark. It's part of the job to assess what something is worth. I really want to get it back. I used to wear it every day. So she's since quit her job at Age UK. Police are going to investigate, and uh, also Hugh Ford, who is from Age UK, said the charity has also launched an investigation into the incident. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Mind you, I mean, how <sighs> inside job? You know, me being the cynic that I am, I'm terrible to think. You know, somebody went, oh look at this, it's just a cheap old bracelet. Mum, do you want to buy this cheap old bracelet? Give me one ninety nine. No idea who bought it. No idea. How would you like to live to a hundred? No, I didn't think so. Not many people. Pa- Why would you want to live to a hundred? You know, unless you've got your health with you and uh, you've got your hair. So that's two things that I'm missing straight away. But if you want to, to live to a hundred, and you might not, uh, stop smoking. Keep your cholesterol down. Drink no more than four cups of coffee a day. I'll put it this way. I think I'm fairly safe in saying that the 65 stone man on the front of the papers is not going to be living to a hundred. I think we're going to be lucky to see 33. Researchers in Sweden. That's quite good, Sweden. I think they eat a very healthy diet. I wouldn't want to live there. I've been to Sweden. I mean, it's very nice. But I just want I've been to Norway as well, which is good. And uh, 42% of deaths after the age of 80 were attributed to heart disease. It's because nobody has the perfect lifestyle, do they? You know, you ask people. I, mean, I remember seeing people being interviewed at the age of 100. and They go, so what's the secret? Sorry? What's the se-? You have to ask them twice because they're generally they're, they're deaf as posts. What's the secret of living a long life? What? What's the secret of living a long life? A shot of whiskey a day. People swear by all sorts of things. You know, a nip of whiskey or, you know, one cigarette. One woman was one cigarette a week. And uh, and I think she was over 100. But of course, you know, fatal for most people. Absolutely fatal. Uh, Other stories. Terry Wogan, apparently, is going to host a new show at the age of 76. It's going to be... He's teaming up with a London taxi driver called Mason McQueen for Terry and Mason's food trip. Oh, not another food programme. Oh, blimey. Please. It's, it's either food, holiday homes, living abroad or antique programmes. And I'm bored with all of them. But what else have we got? What else have we got? Um, Terry, he says, I've taken the high road. Sorry, I've taken the high road. The old old Wogan is in the old back of old Mason's taxi, forcing people seeing the sights and forcing down the occasional mouthful of food. He can't keep away from the limelight. Once you've been in it, you can't keep away from it. So at the age of 76, it's going to be broadcast uh, a little bit later this year, and it's uh, in a fearless pursuit of epicurean excellence. Touch the old knee. The old Wogan's out on the road again. And so uh, so that'll be quite interesting. I did laugh the other day. I had to laugh when I discovered that that poor old Lizzie, uh, Lizzie Cundy is hosting a radio programme. I did. I mean, seriously, I thought somebody must have lost the will to live. or well, they couldn't find anybody. So poor old Lizzie. Cund- oh, dreadful pictures. Dreadful pictures. The National Trust's Palladian jewel is in the papers. And now you can look down into the rooms and see that everything's been destroyed. I mean, the fabric of the building is there. But once the water damage goes in, breaks your heart, breaks your heart. When you look at it, the uh, the gleaming marble hall is, uh, is under rubble. Uh, the extent of the damage has been seen here. There's no roof, quite clearly. And inside the place, they're going to need to rebuild. But they can rebuild. That's the good thing about things nowadays. We have the technology. We have the expertise. And I think the National Trust have the money as well. So good news there. But we will rebuild and she will rise like the phoenix from the ashes. 84850 steve at LBC.co.uk. the thieving wedding boss still to come who's left the bride in tears she had no intention of supplying anything at all the, uh, the cutting out of one fizzy drink a day can slash the risk of you contracting diabetes dismal weekend weather-wise. I'm ever so sorry. Perks up a bit on Monday, but the rest of it not so good. £500 million cocaine bust. They say it's the UK's biggest, but there's so much money in it they they could afford to have it taken and bring in another £1,000 further up. Katie Hopkins gets her own back on uh, Denise What's-Her-Face. And the Royal Superfan gets a birthday treat, which is good. Oh, and the posh kids buying highs on the school's internet. It's LBC.
0: This is LBC, Leading Britain's Conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to heavy company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Friday. It's the weekend. It's um. It's just, a, it's just a, a great bank holiday weekend, but the weather's going to be absolutely dreadful, I'm afraid. So, so try and get over the, uh, the lack of excitement. They said by Monday it might not be too bad at all. Wendy and Farmer went to uh, Clandon House five weeks ago. The pictures in the papers break your heart today if you love anything about our history. Uh, being lonely makes you eat more doesn't really explain the 65-stone bloke on the front of the Sun newspaper this morning. He's Britain's fattest man. And then you read what he eats and you think, but he can't get up, so who's cooking it? It turns out the people paid to look after him are cooking it for him. So uh, perhaps they should be charged. And Katie Hopkins gets her own back. It was quite interesting. I'll tell you why a little bit later on. How I say later. It'll be within about 20 minutes of how she got her own back. because She's now come to the conclusion, quite rightly so, that uh, people mention her in their in their interviews to try and get the interview published. Because that way it means that, they, you know, they go, so have you done anything interesting, Denise Wells? Not really. Oh, wait a minute, I don't like Katie Hopkins. Oh, right, let's do that one. So that's what they do. Uh, distracted drivers are in the paper today, blamed for thousands of deaths, because they reckon it's a high-tech car dashboard, because they sing, they dance, they do everything now, don't they? So you've got the sat-nav, you've probably got the internet, uh, there's also apps, and you could switch between them, and then you've got your phone plugged in. And then if you've got the back of the car, there's probably DVDs as well. So there's all these distractions which you have in the car. Luckily, in my car, I don't have that many distractions. I know roughly where I'm going. Occasionally, if I if I need to use the, uh, the sat-nav, then I, I use it quite discreetly. But I don't have all this high-tech stuff. I've been in some cars, and it's got screens that pop up and everything else. I don't have anything like that at all. Um, One of Labour's youngest election candidates could be jailed. He's been operating a ticket fraud. Rather, Why do these people assume that they're not going to be caught? Because nine out of ten times they are caught. They really are. They obviously think that we don't have CCTV or we don't have anything that can track these people and the answer is we do and they do and they find them very quickly. Uh, Peter says, you've been talking about these obese people. Very Well, they're not just very obese. These are clinically obese. I see their apologists are trying to normalise obesity. And I think they're gaining ground. Look at the campaign to have the Protein World ad about being beach-ready banned. Waiting outside my local Tesco recently, I reckon four out of five people were overweight. Often with pushchairs containing a plump child. Many lighting up at the same time, says Peter. Yes, I know. It's the smoking, isn't it? You see them down the road. You see the women, you know, who are... Clinically obese, some of them would be with a cigarette on with a with with a sort of a pram and a kiddie in it, and they're on the telephone It really is it's it's slightly worrying, slightly worrying uh Britain's fattest woman rescued from her flat, this is the one that we did yesterday on the program uh There's a picture of her smiling, I don't know why nothing nothing to be smiling about here when you're clinically obese uh she's thirty seven stone took seven hours to get her out of her house. She hasn't worked, never worked, and we're actually paying for this obesity, and so um her French doors were removed. I mean, it went on for ages. At 10 o'clock, first police officers and an ambulance arrive. Uh, no, sorry, 9 o'clock, three nurses and a paramedic. And uh, then the fire officer assessed the exit route. Then at 10 o'clock, the ambulance arrived. Then at, um, when was this one? At 11.30, two fire engines pull up, followed by a mobile crane. Uh, at 12 noon, three police cars arrive, joined by another four. So that's seven police cars. What four? At 2.30, the critical care medical team arrive. Then a second, more powerful crane arrives, because they couldn't get her out with the first one. And then at 4 o'clock, she's lifted out and put in an ambulance. Wouldn't it not be easier just to treat her at home? They reckon it's cost a small fortune, this. I can't work out why seven police officers are there. And they put, sort of, all these um, screens around the back of the ambulance. Well, she's not a celebrity. It's not 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 a. Fo- it's not an OK shoot. She's just a very very fat person because she eats a lot of food. She orders, but she's known as the princess takeaway. That's what they call her. Princess takeaway, that's what she's known as. And so apparently she's now developed a severe infection. Of course she has. She doesn't do anything. Doesn't get out of bed, doesn't do any exercise, just sits there ordering takeaways and the takeaway people deliver. How stupid are they? And you know, if I they go Who, who's it for? Oh, it's for Georgia. No, we're not doing it. Put the phone down. Very bad for business. Very bad for business. Somebody who's clinically obese, and they've named the place where she gets her pizza from, and her kebabs. Stop, stop doing it. Stop doing it. There's lots of text speak as well on phones. I don't do text speak. Do you know what, what dead out means? Dead out. I've never heard of dead out. Did dead out mean anything to you? That means rubbish or tired. LMK, if you put that on a text, LMK. Let me know. So I know. We're all over the age of 25 in here. That's the trouble, you see. It's a bit difficult to try and understand these things. Uh, NSFW. Not su- not safe for work. Not suitable. Oh, that's quite good. Well done on that one. Thirsty. <laughs> uh, no, but looking for attention. I don't understand that at all. Um, oh, you like this one. I C Y M I. I C Y M I. No, in case you missed it. <laughs> Why would you ever want to type that? FOMO, F O M O, FOMO, fear of missing out. These kids must be on drugs or something. I've never really like it. Uh, fleek, oh, you're like Fleek. You're Fleek, which means you're looking good. Fleek. No, you've never heard that, have you, Claude? No. Uh, and uh, and Bay, B A E. Sorry. It's Clive by Bay. Oh, do you know what Bay means? Oh, right. It means a term of affection. Oh, right. Ah, right. I wouldn't have known any of these. i just sort of type in the word, you know. No, Bay doesn't make any sense to me. It's probably rude or something like that. It's best that we don't do it, I should imagine. Not on this programme, anyway. You can do it on James O'Brien's programme, because he does things like that. He likes white D. Uh, Front pages of the papers we will come round to very, very shortly. And uh, we'll do those ones. Uh, Steve, as someone who's been offered a stomach-reducing operation on the NHS... I was told it would cost around six grand. What I had to press the surgeon on, what happens if the op is a success? It seems that the excess skin caused by the weight loss due to the elastin in your body reaching and passing its stretching point will not be removed on the NHS. The cost of that op starts at 26,000. Oh, well, we're not going to do that. I'm not spending 26,000 on him. He'll just have to be fat for the rest of his life, however short it may be. Uh, Jackie and Paddock Wood is up this morning, which is good news because it's the bank holiday weekend. I don't think anybody should should be staying in bed at all. I think you should be getting up, making the use of um, of every minute today, especially as you're going to be sort of dodging the showers. It's quite nice. Uh, apparently, BAE stands before stands for b- before anyone else. Before anyone else, I don't know why you'd ever use that. I mean, I don't know. I suppose. Do you love me before anybody? Uh should have been instead of anybody else something like that apparently it's a term of affection but i mean i don't understand it i'm just amazed at the kids who sort of are so you know so sort of fast with their fingers i'm constantly making spelling mistakes constantly making spelling mistakes i can't help it it's not that i can't spell because i've got the the spell check thing on there but uh, even so people go so fast i try and go fast and the words all blend into uh, into one another i'll tell you what we do we do the the front pages in a in a moment of what they're saying. I'm interested in the story, which I'm sure somebody will, somebody will pick up today, on teachers spending £43 million a year to help poor pupils. Schools feed them and buy birthday gifts. How many poor pupils have we got in school? We never had things like that. And apparently teachers say they are being forced to parent poor pupils by washing their clothes, combing out knits and buying birthday pre- Combing out knits. I mean, years ago, many of you will remember the knit nurse at school, but washing their clothes? What earth is going on here? In some cases, youngsters are so deprived that teachers have to buy them cards and presents to ensure somebody marks their birthday. Well, where is this? I've never heard of that before. I mean, I always thought it was a bit bad that you do get some schools uh, where, the, where the pupils have an inability to wear the school uniform. And so they go to school wearing what they wear to go, whereas we had play clothes and school clothes. See, that's marked me down, is not it, as somebody who's over 29, which I find deeply disturbing. Let's have a quick check on the news headlines. Eve be? Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody, 6.20. We had a great, uh, great deal of fun yesterday trying to learn a song from the internet. It's an old song. We've talked about it before on the programme. It's called the Ding Dong Song, but it's the, uh, the one by Tsai Chin, uh, who apparently was a, a Chinese actress, but living here. That's not her real name. She has another name as well. It's a very old song, and it's, uh, we, were, we were singing it in the office. I was singing it to Michael... James O'Brien's producer, and he's now got so obsessed with this song, it sort of goes roughly along the lines of I hear my heart go ding dong, eat down inside my heart, eat time you day, love me and so, so it goes like this, but it's actually really catchy, the English words were done by Lionel Bart, apparently and he says that he's, he's going to teach his Welsh friend, Luke the Ding Dong song. He said, what should I give him, English or Mandarin? I think you should do English, first of all. If he's Welsh, he'll struggle with Mandarin. Um, so all of that. Uh, very quickly as well, fantastic uh, review. First one, actually, for Alan Tompkins. Stars and Wars, the film memories and photographs of Alan. And uh, he's, uh, he spans six decades. Actually, in his book, uh, got a great review. Great review. And it goes behind the scenes. Lots of photographs from Star Wars and all the other things. Lawrence of Arabia, uh, Space Odyssey, Battle of Britain. One of my favourites. Love the music. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, JFK, Saving Private Ryan. The list goes on. So the book is called The Film, Memoirs and Photographs of Alan Tompkins. And he always tends to wake up and hear the review on this programme. The final bit we have to do is the front pages of the papers. But before I do that, I will tell you that the National Animal Trust on the A41 south of Costco Watford and three miles north of Edgware have their open day on bank holiday Monday. Lots to do and eat, fun dog show, cheap dog accessories. So Joan says people can come and support us. Good. We always like to mention a charity for for animals we seem to spend most of our time looking at dreadful stories about animals, but there are nice stories as well. I'm sure they'll have a fun-filled day, and I hope the weather is kind for you. Front pages of the papers. Here we go. This is what you're going to be reading about today. The Sun have got this Britain's fattest man. Now, we haven't had to airlift him out of anywhere as yet, but I'm sure it's only imminent. And they just, uh, you know, given as much food as four men, and quite clearly the carers are cooking it for him because he can't he can't get out of bed by himself. And uh, you're paying for it. You're paying for 10,000 calories a day. Uh, the takeout princess, she's eating God knows how much. Local Haley Williams of Georgia Davis, called the takeaway princess. Nothing clever about it. Nothing clever. Says they watch as 18-inch pizzas uh, are delivered. She also gets McDonald's brought round. She's one of the best customers of the Turkish kebab and pizza in Aberdare. Keri's Collins, who takes the order, says Georgia's regular meal is 19 quid, which is a lot for one person why are you sending it to her, then? Why are you sending it to her? Ridiculous. What what this bloke eats, though, is just... It, it just makes you feel physically ill. The reason he started eating, apparently, again, uh, is because his mum died. I think he's obviously convinced himself that that's, that's what it is. Uh, Judy Finnegan, who really looked quite worrying on Loose Women the other day. other something's happened to her. She seemed to have aged dramatically. Uh, was talking about her left ankle while trudging around Gatwick. It sort of gives her pain because... Um, Uh, She can't keep up with with Richard, so he obviously moves a little bit faster. Uh, Former head of the armed forces, yesterday quizzed by police investigating an alleged VIP paedophile network. This is a man who, I believe some years ago, I believe some years ago, uh, punched Greville Janner. I can't remember if it was in the Commons, and I can't remember what it was over at all. Uh, Also, the record haul of cocaine, £500 million worth, found in a tug intercepted off the British coast. Well, there must have been inside information on this one. But as I've said before, £500 million Is nothing these these drug people can afford to lose five hundred million pounds because they just bring it in further up so you have five hundred million pounds confiscated here and they go that's amazing no they're bringing in three hundred million up there and two hundred million over there because they're all they're all taken up with it there's that much money in it Katie Hopkins talks about the dull and the dreary who need her people who mention her in interviews she said if your story is that dull and you need to borrow my name to make someone read it go right ahead. But the next time you moan because my face seems to be everywhere, remember it's the fault of the dullards who needed a leg up to be heard. And, of course, that is aimed primarily at uh, Denise Welsh, a tragic story about Denise in the papers, but she had to put Katie Hopkins in there. And she says, listen, you're the ones complaining I'm everywhere, but you're the one mentioning me all the time. Of course, quite right. Uh, Denise, who uh, does not appear on Loose Women anymore. Uh, The Metro today... Uh, Your weekend television. Mine is going to be Christmas films. Uh, The teachers who spend all this money to help poor pupils. What, out of their own pocket? Can't believe it, can you, really? And uh, the Daily Express. British documents should only be in English, insist UKIP. Uh, Alzheimer's drug can defeat it. And, uh, And the Queen, smiling, looking happy and moving at 89, although the front page of The Sun is a man of 32 who can't move. David Beckham. He's going on his uh, his sort of little 40th birthday holiday, which is great. And he's pictured leaving at, I think, uh, LAX airport, looking as miserable as sin. You've never seen anybody looking so unhappy. Perhaps he just wanted a quiet time in with the magicians and balloons and jelly and trifle. And he's got to put up with the wife, the kids, Tom Cruise and Gordon Ramsay and all of his other close friends. Uh, betrayal of our school kids is the headline on the front of the Daily Mirror. Surging number of poverty hit kids relying on schools giving them handouts of food and clothes. Daily Mail. What's the cost of looking so young at 70? They've got Barbara Streisand and uh, Jane Fonda and, uh, and they look good. Judy Finnegan only 66. She did not look fantastic the other day. Uh, Prince Charles a half naked beauty and a man with a crossbow Make of that what you will. Uh, front page of The Independent today. Millerband, I will not do deal with the SNP to become PM. And Feeling the Heat, one species in six faces extinction by 2100. That's just it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Uh, I'm back with you. I keep th- I'm back on Sunday morning in conversation with Catherine Jenkins and uh, Fern Britton. And that'll be between five and six and then repeated and I'm live on Sunday morning between six and eight for the Sunday breakfast show. I'll have a free podcast for you up in about 15 minutes. If you want to get it sent to your phone, go to the LBC website, download the app, which is the LBC podcast app. It's free to download and it's available for iPhones and now Android phones as well. And that means that every day you get the free podcast delivered to you. And there is a paid for podcast, which is this program, but with the news and the travel and the advertisements all taken out of it. So go find out more about that on lbc.co.uk.